everybody, and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Jeff, the the Firebat Marchiafava. Uh, uh, and your audio is working, yes? Yeah. Okay, cool. That's better yet. Uh, also joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hey, I'm just a normal human. That's fine. Uh, and friend of the show, dear special guest, Jacob Geller, returning champion. It only looks like I'm wearing the same shirt from the State of Play reaction stream. <laughs> that was yesterday. That's right. That's completely separate. Uh, Jacob Keller, YouTube essay extraordinaire. Thank you for being here. Thank you for always being so sweet whenever <laughs> I reach out and be like, hey, you've talked about these games. Do you want to come to the podcast? And you, you're always excited to do it. And it you tickles my heart. The, uh, you extended a tiny branch that was, do you want to talk about VR? And I intend <laughs> to grab it and run with it. But nobody panic because we're talking about VR, but also talking about one of the greatest games we've ever made with Resident Evil 4 VR. Uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about the state of play from PlayStation, then talking about Back for Blood a bit. But this is a packed episode because then uh, we're kicking Jacob Geller the hell out of here and we're bringing on no clips Danny O'Dwyer it's a whole video tour here so we're bringing on Danny O'Dwyer dear friend of the show uh, to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Square Enix's new RPG that is surprisingly good um, and then Age of Empires 4 of course get ready for that Jeff I'm look alive baby uh, and then, back after the show, we can't stop bringing folks in. We're addicted to it. Uh, we also have Sarah Pazorsi coming in for the back half of the show to answer some community questions. So, big episode, fun episode. But, Jacob Geller, we can't kick off a big episode and a fun episode without getting to the most fun thing, which is the community kickoff. Uh, we like to take one question from the community and bring it to the top of the show. So, for this community kickoff, we have Ari Torben. Ari Torben, who wrote in saying, hey, with the release of Resident Evil 4 VR Edition, do you think the next video game trend will be VR editions of our favorite games? If so, what games would you be excited to jump into? And then Ari says, some games I would love to see, Luigi's Mansion, that would be awesome. Shenmue 1 and 2, that's there. Uh, I'll stop judging these. Each uh, their own. Uh, Mario Party, <laughs> what are you doing, Ari? You're throwing it away. But then they say Final Fantasy X First Person Blitzball, which... All right, I think I'm back on board, Ari. Um, yeah, what do y'all think? What is like some game from that era, like the Resident Evil 4 era that you'd want to go back I, and live in? I do in? actually, I want to say Shenmue would be amazing because something that's interesting in VR that's not interesting in regular gaming is just like opening drawers and doing boring things because you true. get to like do them with your hands. So like, you know what? that might work. Good point. Yeah, and I'm trying to think uh, of like... You know, I actually rescind my sort of negativity or I was... <laughs> but yeah, Because that's what that game... A lot of that game is opening things and picking them up and looking at them, and that is super fun in VR. Yeah, and if like Sega ever wanted to lean back into their back catalog of the VR, because they did it for Space Channel 5 VR, right? So it's not inconceivable that they'd go back in time and try and do something, and that could be a good pick, and yeah. finally get people to play Shenmue 3, only if it's in VR. Is that going to be the ticket? Um, so I mean, my, my answer which is kind of boring based on the fact that we're about to talk about Resident Evil 4, but I have seen that the jump from third person to first person works. Yeah. Like it, 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 I wouldn't have expected it, but it works. And so give me Silent Hill 2. That is what I want. I want to hold a flashlight and look into the fog and like have to reach my hand into a gross toilet. Yeah. Those are, those are the things I want to do in VR. Well, you're already getting Luigi's Mansion, according to Ari's greatest dream. So that'll kind of have to fulfill your Silent Hill 2 fantasies. I mean, here's the thing, though, that, like, I've been saying this 
since early VR, don't be afraid of third person. Like Silent Hill 2, third person VR, go for it. Like I Astrobot and like the yeah. uh, the Insomniac game, the early Insomniac game, which I would love for them to port to Quest. Yeah. Do you remember what that game uh, was called, Hanson? Edge of Nowhere. Edge of Nowhere. Good I think it's Paul. very good and underrated, and it's like a third-person VR shooter. I like third-person games in VR. I would have even been happy with Resident Evil 4 third-person VR, personally, but we can get into more of that later. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, like even platformers, like Jack and Daxter VR, I think would be cool. And would be an interesting like, way I think to bring that, it back. that style of game works really well. Yeah, yeah. I immediately thought of like big, expansive worlds. I thought of like the first Xenoblade like seeing that in VR would be cool. Like the combat, all right, maybe that gets a little bit messy and stuff. But then this is like, you know, preaching to the choir with old Geller on this podcast. But like, man, Shadow of the Colossus VR, Eco, even Last Guardian, stuff like that. And I know they did the 3D version for PS3, which is kind of inching near that territory. But it was really cool. If you if you ever played the 3D version of Shadow of the Colossus, it's freaking sweet. Shadow of the Colossus, truly the vomit comet of <laughs> VR games. Just getting, like, thrown around. Oh, in that first you know, person? If you did it in third person, that'd be fine. But I also think a weird result of third person is it makes things look small. Like, mm. it, it kind of makes the worlds you're looking at look a little like dioramas, which is really good for, like, Astrobot or, or Moss or something. But you do want Shadow of the Colossus to feel like the biggest game in the world. Yeah. Uh, and so, I don't know. I would I would love to just be able to walk around them and, like, look up at it. Yeah. Ooh. Climbing them in first person would just be a lot of looking at fur. <laughs> well, that's why the solution, everybody, is you finally make Shadow of the Colossus that multiplayer game that they originally wanted. And I know they wanted co-op, but you make it competitive where the person in VR is first person looking out from the Colossi point of view and they're doing the whole thing. Ooh. of You know, the 16th Colossi, like, pulling his hand up just so you can get a good look at Wander. There's, there's options here. By the way, uh, there is a Last Guardian PlayStation VR experience. Like oh, that's right. And it's like a little, I think it's like 15 minutes or something. And it's basically just Trico kind of looking at you. And it's mm-hmm. weird. It's intense. I think you feed him too, if I oh, remember yeah, correctly. Oh, yeah, yeah. God, I forgot about right. that. Um, and then, mm-hmm. you know, our dream experience is some sort of Final Fantasy XV spinoff fishing game. I think we were all going to say that if they could just somehow make a VR yeah, you experience. took the words like, right out of my mouth. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Check out a full playthrough. Yeah, so I hope you live the, the rest deep. of your life. That being your only Final Fantasy 15 experience. Don't watch the movie. Don't, don't play the game. I've, I, I enjoyed that movie, and I've started that game so many different times, including the Pocket Edition. At some point, maybe I'll play more of it. But Okay, let's... A great ending. I, I believe you, man. Uh, let's jump into this Resident Evil 4 VR real quick. So you two have been playing it, Kyle and Jacob. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it seems like from the quick read on Twitter people think it's surprisingly good. Is that your take as well? Yes. Okay. I, That's my I, take. I pause it surprisingly, because I, I, like, from the moment it was announced, I was I was on board, I will say. Um, but I love it. Do you want my, my hot take? Yeah. My super hot take version? Oh, boy. I Don't think say I'm it. enjoying it more than Half-Life Alex. Really? I think so. And, I, and that part of that is the familiarity of playing one of your favorite games from a new perspective so that's like a that's a lot of the fun but like man i'm i'm just i'm loving it i i am not i have not finished it jacob has finished it i i i want to play more it's the game i want to be playing all the time right now i'm really loving it it's it's the the most uh 
one of the biggest examples this year of a game where it's like when I'm not playing or I'm, when I'm not playing Resident Evil 4 VR, I can't stop thinking about playing Resident Evil 4 VR. Like I was like dreaming about it. Wow. So this is Oculus exclusive. Yes. It's it's Oculus Quest 2 exclusive and I do want to take the this moment to say that effing sucks and like Oculus I think is bad for the VR environment even though this game is good. Just for locking it out and hey log into Facebook to play Resident Evil 4 everybody and, it's yeah, like all oh that. god that sucks. But on the on the, the Jacob's totally right the sort of Facebook element of it and locking it to a console sucks but like the Quest 2, I mean, it's not. It is really nice to be able to play without any wires or anything like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a good system. You know. Oh, Jacob's having an issue. Yeah. He's taking an issue with what I said. <laughs> I assume. It seems like. Yeah, uh, I can hear now. Oh, good. good. Um, it seems okay. like the from the announcement, people were like, "Oh, that's really interesting. I'm sure it'll be a janky mess trying to convert this third-person game to first-person." Is it? janky or is it just yeah it's janky but it's still just cool to be able to look through Leon's eyes I would say that's the most surprising thing about it is how little jank there is oh interesting Um, I mean so so here's where the jank comes in is that it's very faithful to the original Resident Evil 4 uh, and there are a lot of like small cutscenes in that game like you you push a button and then you see a cutscene of like a light turning on right and and they do all of those, and if you were making this a VR game, you would not do that because it's weird to be like taken out of the experience. And that's that's a little janky. But what's not janky is how actually playing it feels. Um, because they do this thing where, like they do in a lot of VR games, they place your inventory physically on your body. That's so and cool. And so your pistol is on your hip, and your knife is on your chest and your like two-handed gun is over your shoulder and unlike Resident Evil 4 original you can switch to all of these things very easily without having to go to a menu and so in many ways it feels more like a modern game because one of the hardest things about going back to Resident Evil 4 is the fact that you have to like go to a menu every time you want to switch your gun um and now you don't have to do that. So you're looking down at your body and then just plucking whatever's on there? Well, you start by looking down at your body and plucking whatever's on it. And then as you get better, you just think, I know where my ammo is. Oh, it's here. Weird. I don't have to look down. I can reload without looking. And I can like pick up this treasure with my left hand as I'm running past. And you can move and shoot now. You can move and shoot yeah. in Resident Evil 4 VR. That is really weird to think about. And it about. probably, and Jacob, I don't know, do you think, I, I feel like you take more damage to sort of counter that, but I could be wrong about you, that. Because it is. it does ultimately make the game easier because you can run away from everybody, the, but it doesn't make it any less fun. The difficulty has been, it's been weirdly tweaked where I think you do take more damage. However, they also give you I usually, sorry to humble brag, I usually play on professional, but you have to start on normal on this. They give you so many healing items. My attache is just full of herbs all of the time. And so it seems like they've kind of adjusted the item drop rates a little bit, Um, but not enough to like break what is, you know, basically the flow of the game. Huh. It's fun because like, I've played Resident Evil 4 a number of times on a number of different platforms, but I did have 
that moment again that I haven't had since maybe the first time I played the game where I was in the opening village, things are getting intense, I'm knocking down ladders, I pick up the shotgun and I'm like, what do I, how do I use this thing? And then like I, I've like kind of like figured it out and then I was like trying to shoot it and nothing was happening and I feel I figured I had to reload it and like cock it and it was like, it was that fun moment of like, man, I haven't been like having that intense moment in this section of the game in years and it's it's cool yeah, the exact it's really same cool. experience of just like oh my god the opening is scary again like i'm so i'm cool. panicked playing this it's such a small little thing i think it was you jacob Geller, that I saw on twitter that shared a clip of just like shooting the gem out of the tree and it's falling and you like catch it with one hand as you're doing something else and like seeing those small little things like i know they say yeah interact with the world in a whole new way but the deal of like catching the gems as you're like collecting them in the world is such a small thing, but I love it. Yeah, they've done a I mean, really also, good job. Also grabbing that sword and breaking boxes. I mean, that yeah. feels new again, you know? Um, they've done a really good job of, you know, they have kind of adjusted um, like the UI for some of the puzzles. Whereas before it's like, you know, it would say there are three switches in front of you and then there would just be like a text select that's like switch one, switch two, switch three. And they've changed it so now there are three buttons and you can like push them with your hands. And that's another one of those things that's just like would be boring in a regular game. But there's like there's that puzzle in the church where you have like three different colored lights and you have to spin them all to form like one insignia. And they just changed it so like now you're kind of pushing physical buttons to spin those lights. And it's like this sounds boring. But yes. standing there and just getting to push buttons with your VR hand is so fun. <laughs> and you so can like you can pull you can also, handles, you can do all this stuff. You can t- get like really in the merchant's face now. Like you can kiss the merchant. Are you, you serious? Really, if you really want to. <laughs> oh my god. I mean he doesn't react at all, but you can really get Where in do there I buy one of these Oculus? <laughs> how how fast can they get it shipped to my house? <laughs> I mean, uh, here's here's another. I thought when you said you're going to come in with a hot take, I thought you were going to say that it's the best way to play Resident Evil Four. I've thought about that. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I'm not okay. quite the VR super fan. Jacob is. Maybe Jacob feels well, different. Like I, I still no. I agree in that. I I don't think it's like it's not the same game. You know, it's like, I don't think mm. I don't think you would get an appreciation for why Resident Evil 4 is as important a game as it is if you just played the VR version. Yeah. Um, and I do think the best version is the Wii one for the record. Uh, but um, but I think if if you have played Resident Evil 4, you really need to play this. And if you haven't, you'll still think it's like a cool VR game, but I don't think you'll have the same kind of you know sublime experience that kyle and i are describing right right yeah i mean i because i jacob seems to know the game i assume even better than i do i probably played it once on every platform it's come out on and it a lot of the charm is like oh how are they going to handle this section Ooh, what's it going to be like standing in the church and looking around you know how are they going to do these things and then it then it's just executed really well which is which is why it's why i'm enjoying it so much yeah Oh, that's cool. Resident Evil 4, if you want to play one more time in VR, everybody, just in time for Halloween, check it out. Um, let's see, Sony's state of play. You never know what you're going to get. They're doing a pretty good job of like setting expectations, saying, hey, this is what to expect, everybody. This is going to be third party. It's going to be a shorter one. Um, not not exactly a barn burner. Uh, Jeff, what was your takeaway from Sony's state of play here? Um, I've... 
honestly never had less to say about presentation. Someone in our comments, it was really funny. Someone said, is is Jeffem just a gif? Like <laughs> my little window. It it was it was it was weird. I mean, it's I I can appreciate showing off indie games. That's always a right. good thing. But it but it was like it felt like it was about three indie games, and then it was over, and, and I didn't know what to think beyond that. They, there's a free expansion for Bug Snacks. That's cool. Yeah, Bug Snacks, the Isle of Big Snacks, where you can customize things. Kyle, did your daughter see that yet? I know she's gaga over that stuff. Oh yeah, no that 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 was huge. That was the big takeaway for the Godbolt Hilliard household mm. for sure. Is the bug snacks? I mean, it looks like a new game practically. The reason Hanson asked me about my daughter is because it is her self-proclaimed favorite game of all time. So she's really excited about it, and it's free and it's cool. But yeah, it was a lot of stuff kind of like that, like Death Store. It's like, oh yeah, Death Store, great. Okay, I I've played that. You know, yeah, and I guess it's <laughs> on also, PlayStation. No, nothing, no reason to complain about that, but not like uh, not super exciting necessarily. You know, yeah. So they kicked it off with a surprise that Jacob Geller kind of called, which is a new Let It Die game, which is the weird pseudo roguelite. I guess is last time we encountered Let It Die with Doctor Death in there and all this stuff, and now this is also, called it, roguelite. Also. Uh, Free to play and and pretty hamstrung by those issues, right. like a, one of those real like slot machiney free to play games. Yeah, and so now it's a new Let It Die game called Deathverse, which is weird for Sony to be pushing right after Deathloop. But this is Deathverse: colon, Let It Die, which seems like it's more like arena shooter in the Let It Die universe, melee heavy thing. Uh, but Weird to see what Grasshopper's doing these days. Um, but that, that seems all right. Um, let's see. They showed Cartwrighter, King of Fighters beta. They announced a game or showed a game called First Class Trouble, which is an online social deduction game, which is coming out, and it's in PS Plus here in November. Uh, but it's coming out uh, November 1st, which is basically a, another take on Among Us social deduction, that whole thing, but it kind of looks Bioshocky, and you're like robots and stuff. It's it's funky. Curious to see in PS Plus if a lot of people will pick it up just for maybe people are sick of Among Us at this point, ready for something new in that space, but who knows? But First Class Trouble is the name of that one. Um, my biggest thrill of the state of play was the Triace logo jumped on the screen uh, as an old playstation one rpg fan i was very excited about it and lo and behold kyle it is a new star ocean star ocean the divine force is coming in 2022 which is cool to see triace still making star ocean games all these years later like the last couple have not was, been uh, renowned ps4 was the last there was yeah. a ps4 one right yeah i think it was 2016 it's like integrity and hopelessness something like that faithlessness uh, yeah Integrity and faithlessness thank of course. you i can't believe you forgot that the reviews weren't stellar for this one but i'm excited to see them uh, move on a little bit more and yeah we're talking about during the reaction stream this one kind of looks a little bit more like a xenoblade even like a little bit chronicles x like flying around that environment looks pretty wild so i'm excited for a new star ocean coming next year um and then the star of the show wasn't an ocean it was a little game called little devil inside which is how they closed it all out um, which they've shown before, and last time they showed it, it seemed to be the takeaway was, that looks cool, and I don't really understand what the game is. There's so many different art styles. And then in this presentation, it basically confirmed, yeah, but now there's even more art styles, because it's... <laughs> they showed even more, and I understand even less. Right. It looks cool, 
little devil inside. You're taking trains from location to location, and there's now a world map travel system. And then you're also cooking, and you're Russian dolls when you're on the world map. And then there's also a 2D perspective, and there's also 3D fighting. Uh, Jacob Keller, little devil inside, sum it all up, take it away, go. <laughs> And you better nail it, it, it on it your first sentence. Looks, it's kind of like a road trip game, maybe. You know, it seems like heavy emphasis on kind of like how you get to places. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, oh no, your donkey's caught in the snow. Oh no, there's sheep in front of the car. Uh, and then sometimes you got to get out and fight monsters. <laughs> and then sometimes you're imprisoned in a swimming pool inside by a scary guy. Uh, it, it really looks wild. They didn't have a date on it, at least in the trailer, at least. But yeah, little level inside. I'm very curious to, to see more. And it's cool to see this being like, based on the groundswell and from the chat, it seems like this is kind of the, the Sony star indie game at this point. Like people are champing at the bit for more of this thing. So I, am, I do want to say I was, I was uh, excited or at least entertained by that We Are OFK oh, yeah. uh, trailer. It was legitimately like, a, you know, I laughed. Um, and, and I'm always here for kind of a, a feelsy narrative adventure game. You know, that's what it looks like. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the pitch, which is like, okay, it's a fictional band and it's an interactive biopic about this fictional band called OFK. And it's like, yeah, that, that pitch I'm totally on board for. And you're right, it was, it was silly and funny and I'm sure it'll be an indie gem of 2022. It's also coming out on PS4, but We Are OFK is the name of that one. Also Five Nights at Freddy's. Okay. That's it, everybody. The state of play. Uh, they, they've done better. We'll, we'll get them next time. Um, but hey, uh, there's another game that we haven't talked about yet, and I feel kind of bad about it. Uh, this is Back for Blood uh, from Turtle Rock, the development team who brought us uh, Left for Dead back in the day. This Then they went on to Evolve. Uh, a couple other things here and there, some VR stuff. Now they're back with Back for Blood, uh, which is very much the big spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead. They said, if Valve isn't going to make it, we'll freaking make it. We'll get Warner Brothers to fund it. Um, I've played a little bit of this, a couple hours worth. Um, Kyle, where are you at with this thing? Uh, probably a little bit further than you. Like, okay. uh, unlock the second set of characters, which is like, I don't know, five levels, six levels, something okay. like that. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, and uh, Jeff, I think you've been playing it too, right? Yeah, I'm I'm in between you two, I guess. Okay, and Jacob Geller, you're off the charts. I have beat the campaign on the first difficulty. Okay, right on. Yeah, all right. You have the most experience. What do you think about this, Jacob Geller? It's interesting. Okay. Um, it's you know at when it's kind of functioning normally, it's exactly what you would want it to be. Yeah, you know, it's like I think the like. The thing that it does best is being a Left 4 Dead kind of game. And it's like, if you got friends and you're and you're going through, you know, like just... I, I, Jacob, I don't think you even need to put the kind of qualifier on there. I, I, this is Left 4 yeah, Dead. Yeah, at its like, best, without it's even, Left 4 Dead. You know? <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> and it turns out, that's still fun. Like, that's a, yeah, that's yeah, a fun, yeah. it's a fun game to play. And it has these additions, and some of them, I think, are good um but a lot of it just feels like oh wow valve games sure are polished and this is not like there's mm. i would describe the game as as 
really inconsistent um just in terms of like in terms of difficulty in terms of kind of like level quality and variety you know it's just like we would be playing and having a great time and then it would just be the game would seem to just decide like i'm not going to be fun anymore (laughs) and then we would struggle with that for a while and then the game would start being fun again and we'd keep playing but it it just it it seems a little random i don't know (laughs) have y'all experienced that the director is just kind of like, you know what? I'm not. not the director's just one, like this one's buttons. for them. It's like this five is not one for me. Boys. This one's Send for them. I don't know, Kyle. Are you joining? Are you playing with your wife then, or? Yeah, yeah. Because like it was, it was a big one for my wife and I. The Left 4 Dead, and Left 4 Dead too. And my, my sort of, my reaction, is kind of like, uh, you know, always been like, oh, they should make another Left 4 Dead. Oh, Turtle Rock's making Back for Blood. This is going to be left. This is going to be a new Left 4 Dead. That's what I want. I want a new Left 4 Dead. And then we played a bunch of it, and I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, this is Left for Dead. Okay, this is this is what I wanted, I guess. But I'm not like I'm not really energized to like keep going. It's a, it's more like a a game that I see staying on the hard drive as like a fun co op experience. But it it's not lighting me on fire. Um, I think it's but, it's yeah, it's like, the thing it's, we talk about all the time, yeah. which is did people really want a new Left for Dead, or did people want to? be back in time playing with their buddies having a good time with Left 4 Dead. Because, like, Left 4 Dead in so many people's memories is like, oh, drinking beer in college, having a great time with this thing. And it's like, that that's what people are nostalgic about, ultimately, right? I will yeah. say, I, I was playing Left 4 Dead during the, like, early pandemic with friends when we were looking for co-op games. So I've played it, like, fairly recently. And it's like, there are issues in this game that aren't present there. You know, okay. like Left for Dead still kind of does the Left for Dead thing better in in several circumstances. Yeah, yeah I think I like I like the more straightforwardness of Left for Dead. Like the card system is not a nuisance by any means, where you get little upgrades. Basically, you can unlock yeah. upgrades, but it just feels like an unnecessary like hurdle almost. Like it's just something I don't. I'm not that interested in engaging with. I'd rather just get to the. The, the sort of the zombie action, you know? Right, and so you can make different loadouts and stuff like that, yeah. Jeff, are you into that? You're, you're a nerd. Uh, I'm a nerd, um, but I've been having a very similar experience to all of you of, like, this this was the Left 4 Dead 3 that I wanted, you know, like, 15 years ago at this point. And I don't, I don't have the same player group to play it with anymore, and I don't, like... Game design has moved on so far since then, and especially zombie games, I guess, which I I still do enjoy to some extent. But it's, yeah, I mean, it, it feels like a true Left 4 Dead 3, but so much later in the game that it's it just doesn't have the hook. I've been I've been playing with bots too, which they said, mm-hmm. oh, don't worry, you can play it single player, and it's like, yeah, you don't you, you don't. I mean, do you yes, you you can play it single player, but you're not. Like the the bots are just terrible, and it's sure it it doesn't it it just doesn't have the same vibe in the the card system. Like man, that that's not the kind of replayability that I want from this kind of co op game. So yeah, yeah, it's on Game Pass, and so you probably don't have many reasons for not checking it out. And if you know you're looking, especially over yeah. the Halloween, like you got some buddies that also have Game Pass, like jump in, have a fine time. And and to not be too negative, like because I feel like maybe we're being pretty yeah. negative. Like the core game of like get from point A to point B, 
and there's a lot of zombies and special zombies show up like that stuff's cool and that works you know like that that part i enjoyed it just it just felt too familiar and the additions are are not particularly exciting it's sure. kind of my big takeaway but like the core game is there like it's not it's not broken by any means do you think I this think this okay. is it's like the perfect game pass game yeah it's like sure. if i if i paid 60 dollars for this game i would be upset um but since i did not pay 60 dollars for it i was like yeah, i had a fine time i'll i'll keep it installed yeah totally i feel like we talked about it when we were talking about aliens fireteam elite of like ah, if it was on game pass feels like this game could really have a chance and it's like yeah this is a good home for this type of thing that depends heavily on your friends all getting into it as well like this is a, a perfect spot for it but yeah back from i still i still think oh please go ahead jeff i was gonna say the gunplay feels great i've been playing on pc but using a controller and it it feels as good as any you know like triple a first person shooter like okay. I, I think that was my first thing because when i think back to left for dead we played it maybe a couple of years ago at gi and it, it, it was like man you don't have aim down sights if it, it feels if it, it just feels feels really antiquated in mm. terms of first person shooters and this one is total modern like you don't need a tutorial even if they give you one because you know what every button does and it all feels very polished from that perspective yeah 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 back for blood everybody uh check it out if you'd like to uh jacob geller i'm sorry this is a short appearance but we have so many other people to get to in this episode um that we have to let you go um how's your youtube channel going man uh yep just just my name jacob geller is my youtube channel uh and it's good go check it out <laughs> it's very good if you like video essays on youtube check out jacob geller's channel everybody uh thank you for being here sir there's links below for all your fun stuff but give us the clap of a lifetime Danny O'Dwyer, welcome, sir. Thank you for having me. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. From no clip and giant bomb. How do you frame that these days? What it's is weird, your title? Right? It's very weird. Everyone has fifteen jobs, and people <laughs> on the internet are not an exception to that rule. Uh, yeah, I am also now on the bombcast quite a lot. I'm doing quick looks on my own sometimes. Solo <laughs> quick looks. It's a it's bold very move, strange. man. Is that comfortable yeah. over there yet? Yeah, it's fun. It's good fun. I mean, they lost it. A load of people so i was like hey you guys you guys they're just like my friends now i'm like you guys are right do you need help you have a you have a european sized hole in your in your stuff um i can i can jump in for a while and i was only meant to jump in for like a couple of months and then more people left <laughs> so i've just kind of just stick it around for the moment who knows how long it'll be yeah and now voidberg is there so she's taking yeah. her spot is that gonna be the hot swap here that's good. No, I don't. I don't. Oh, it's news to me. I guess <laughs> ask me in a week if All I'm right. still there. That's fair. Uh, Danny, Which, uh, I thought of you for this episode. I wanted to have you on it um, because Age of Empires 4 is out this week. And I feel like us Age of Empires fans have to stick together. We got to do what we can just to try. Yeah, why are you? Why are me and Jeff yeah, here? Kyle, like, did you, you bring a book? For <laughs> I, See, this is the crap. This is what we I have to deal my with. Switch. I'll play some win back. On <laughs> Every Nintendo time 64. we bring up a historic, legendary game, everybody always goes for the jokes about oh, Darts, they're boring hey, and dry. What's more historic uh, than Operation Winback, the game that invented the cover system? That's, That's right. That's right. That's right. It's very historic and lovely. I just don't recommend playing it. Um, yeah, we played it on the stream and it's all right, you know? Um, we'll be playing it during Extra Life, I think, because it's kind of a fun, wonky multiplayer mode. But Age of Empires 4, Danny. Let's, let's yeah. jump into this sucker a little bit because 
everybody's stepping on its thunder. Jeff, I'm cracking these crude jokes. But then also, like, the big review embargo, which it's like, it got pretty good reviews. It's sitting somewhere in eights and stuff, you know, mainly. And then, like, the review embargo lifts, and then it's also the same day that they're like, Halo Infinite's campaign. Everybody look over yeah. here. Like, Microsoft, what are you doing? You idiots. I know, they did it to themselves. Space like, it's it like, out. Yeah, it's very bizarre. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it says a lot, I guess. But the, Microsoft have done Age of Empires right over the past, like, five years. Like, I remember when this whole initiative started, because, like, yes, this is the first numbered Age of Empires in, like, 15 years, but they have done, yeah. you know, definitive editions of all three games. Like, it's I crazy. can't think of another, you know time a company has has done that especially considering like how d- different two and three are they're completely different games engines everything oh so. yeah i mean definitive edition but then also just having the hd version then you can include age of mythology and then when you tack on right. the idea that they're releasing new expansions for the released one for age of mythology and then like 700 for age of empires 2 it's wild how hard they're trying to push this boulder up the hill only to be met by scoffs by Jeff Marchiafava. Look at all those board games behind you. You're too cool for Age of Empires, man. No, I I think it's great. I'm I I only said that because I knew that you guys were the ones who were going to talk about it and are the ones with uh-huh. experience about it. Uh huh. Thank you. That's very kind. So, of but it, I mean, you're not wrong as well. It does occupy like a a very weird like hole within you know, real-time strategy. At, at one stage, it kind of was real-time strategy, right? It was mm-hmm. the biggest of the bunch. Uh, there was Command & Conquer as well, but that was more, you know, combat-focused. But it, but it's funny how, like, I know Age of Mythology sort of ended up being a spiritual successor to it all, but games like Rise of Nations, the type of game the Age of Empire is kind of did disappear. Like, you know, you'd StarCraft, and then you would, like, City Builder games, but Age of Empires is kind of like a weird... Like, nowadays, it's like a weird half-and-half between you know a kind of a city builder economy game and like a combat game and, yeah and, well before it was sort of like i don't know the standard now it, it it is still its own weird thing and that specific groove is an rts that's uh, hold on to your hats everybody it's a chill rts it's one where you don't have to get down to the millisecond of your build order and study everything and like when I play StarCraft 2, like peak StarCraft 2 playing is like, you'd be a minute into a game, be like, this game's ruined. This is effed. There's, there's no chance of coming back from this. Whereas, like, honestly, at least the level of Age of Empires 4 I'm playing at right now, it's like, yeah, hotkeys if I feel like it. Which, like, for an right. RTS <laughs> is a pretty weird move. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you can you can tone it down. I know if you play online Age of Empires, it does tend to be a bit more, you got to know your QEs for your farms and your QEs yeah. for your houses and all that stuff. But yeah, like, Go go play that AOE to DE and just listen to the music and that tells you what type of game you're playing. Yes. It's just like doodle do 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 we're out and it's like it's from like the world music section of Tower Records. You know, it's just like <laughs> you know but like played on like a you know IBM synth or something. It's just like you know, and all the voice acting and all the like, you know, wallolos and it's it's just like a you know even even the combat in that game is kind of silly because it's you know trebuchets firing against elephants and like it's it's not never really was like like it was serious in it's sort of a, it was kind of like the video game version of like Encarta Encyclopedia or something right, but it wasn't right. it wasn't like the, the game is in and of itself is kind of like dorky and silly and fun and I think Age of Empires four it's very much like in the ilk of obviously it's three D like three but it's it's very much vibing off of 
Age of Empires 2. It's Absolutely. like a sequel to 2, right? Yeah, for sure. And that's the the biggest shock is, I mean, maybe it's not a shock if you're Microsoft, you're looking at, okay, what's the best-selling Age of Empires? I'd have to imagine it's Age of Empires 2. And okay, we're going to bring it back after so long. It kind of feels a little bit like that, you know, we talked about it on the podcast a while ago, but almost that kind of conservative design sensibility that even like a Metroid Dread has, where it's like, if a franchise hasn't been around for a very long time, it's okay to be a little more faithful. You don't have to reinvent everything. Just give people what they've been wanting for so long. Because, yeah, I mean, Age of Empires 3 was, what, 2005? Five, I think. Jeez. Yeah, it was a long time ago. But but the, the only wrinkle in that story or execution, yeah. and, and I'm not sure how important it is, is the fact that they have put out these definitive editions of... One, two, and three. So, like right. Age of Empires two, a modern version of Empire Age of Empires two exists and has existed for two years, and it's really good. Like they nailed it. Like it feels good. They've been patching it. Like there is now this flood of Age of Empires YouTubers, which obviously couldn't have existed before because it was pre YouTube. Yeah, you know, um, the mod support has been terrific. The uh, community maps have been great. They've been doing esports tournaments every year. The, they added the, the battle royale Rololo to Age of Empires too. Like it's just insane. It's, it's wild. So, so in that respect, Age of Empires Four is a it it the story is a little bit weird because when a lot of its best features are stuff that we have seen in age of empires 2 definitive edition obviously it's like higher budget the campaign has all those beautiful videos and all yeah. that sort of stuff but in terms of the gameplay you know while they've made little tweaks here and there it does play very close to aoe2 uh, the one exception is the mongols which are like a complete game changer i think you're totally right yeah i think Overall, compared to Age of Empires 2, I think it has more of a differentiation between all the different civs, not quite to the extent like Age of Mythology has, but you're totally right. Like, going through all the different civs, it's okay, I can wrap my mind around these people, okay, got it, got it, got it, and then you get to the Mongols, it's like, what is this? What is this complete upending of the tea table for Age of Empires? Because the whole idea, Kyle, is, you know, in Age of Empires, you know, in RTS games, you, like, build buildings everywhere? Um, yes, with the yes. Mongols, they're all about, well, you know the Mongols, what are they about? Uh, pillaging? Destroying? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Staying on the move is a general idea, right? And so it's like, okay, we want them to be raiders in this game, so all of their buildings can be mobile. So it almost harkens to like a, a Terran in StarCraft, yeah. I guess a little bit, where you can fly the things around, but it's just so weird to have one Civ that's so wildly different. And are you digging them so far in Age of Empires 4, Danny? Well, I suck at them because yeah. I just don't know what it just seems completely insane. And like the idea that you can move your town center means that like I don't have to build 12 lumber camps. Yes. That, that are getting increasingly closer to the you know eroding tree line. <laughs> um, you can just move the thing. And, and it, yeah, that's the crazy thing is like right out of the gate. It's like, okay, I'm just going to move my town center directly in between the forest and the berry bushes. It's like, what a exactly. luxury! Done. And, <laughs> and they do have something to collect, uh, which collects everything. They also have like an automatic stone collector, which mm -hmm. super threw me off. And then also instead of farms, because of course they're nomadic people, they don't create farms, they have to just abandon them all the time. Um, you have these like things that just generate sheep in thin air. Yeah. What the f*** is that about? Like the first time that happened, I was like, it's like a portal or something. A sheep appears that you murder it. Yeah. Another one, 90 seconds. You, <laughs> it's got um, everything you need. Uh, yeah. So who are you, who are you going for? Who's your sieve so far? I'm really enjoying the, 
the the Mongols. I think that's. Yeah. The, I I would have traditionally always gone to Celts, which was more because they kind of speak a fake version of Irish. Oh, well, actually, it's probably closer to like what you know G- G- Gaelic Gaelic was back then. Um, but it always sounds a little bit Irish, so that's you know I'll, I'll mix with the other tech trees, but I. I like them. They're, yeah. they're nice and primal. Um, but uh, to Carl's point, there is actually a buff for the Mongols uh, for pillaging. If you burn down buildings and stuff, you get gold for it. Is one of the. Uh, it's on That's the tech so tree. Fun. I think it's maybe the first age building um, that you get. What did you make of that? The fact that like they, they've done a really good job of delineating. I think this game does a way better job, even of 2DE, of delineating which buildings are going to unlock and which ones are in the next age. And then also having that sort of way of skipping the ages where, kind of like the Castle Age in 2, there is a specific building which says you are now kind of moving to the next age. Right. What do you make of all that stuff? I think it's interesting not to lock down the town centers with upgrading the next age anymore. Like, I think it's a it's a smart move. Just be like, okay, just build this and then you'll be kicked in. And especially where it gets wild is uh, I'm mainly focusing on, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, Abbasid Dynasty, Abbasid. Yeah, um, so how did they play? They're really Are they the funky. other weird one? There's another one that's a little bit strange. They're a right? little, they're a little funky. Yeah. So their thing is they have what is it the House of Knowledge? I forget it's called. But you build one building, and then you're going to the different ages from that by adding wings onto that. And also, it's a Ooh. weird, funky thing where the more buildings you build around that core house of knowledge oh i'm probably butchering the name but um it adds like weird bonuses so if you have 10 buildings around that building then every villager the first one is every villager gathers everything 10 percent faster and okay. there's like four tiers of that until you enter the golden age so i really like them just for something a little funky and like you know they have interesting details too where it's like okay because it's a muslim civilization you can't harvest boar but you get Rice. more berries on return so it's like there's smart little interesting details here where it's like Hey there. Turns out this is a team that's trying to pay attention to history, which is kind of cool. And I'm glad they've at least put in some of that variability in those two. And there is probably more in the other six. There are, the fact yeah. That there's only eight sieves is kind of. I, I think that's just the cost of modern game dev, though, right? Is that you, if you're going to have that level of detail with these buildings. It's harder to have twenty-five civilizations. It, yeah, you know, I think so. I'm happy. Delineated. I'm happy with the variety of the civ so far. It's definitely like okay, you're going to be fighting a lot of spearmen across everybody, but still, I feel like there's enough distinction here. We're having eight. You're still going to have a lot to experiment with. You know, only the Delhi civilization has elephants. Like fun stuff like that helps shake it up. Um, but yeah, what do you think so far? I mean, what do you think overall about the package here? Yeah, I think it's good. I think, like I said, if you if you hadn't played Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition, but you were still an Age of Empires fan, and I'm not really sure where that Venn diagram comes out, to be honest, um, right. I think this game probably hits a lot harder because it's, it's really taking all the Age of Empires 2 boxes very well. And it has nice modern flourishes. Like, I like how the town's little paths get drawn automatically yeah. between, like, buildings you put down or, like, sometimes a washing line or a, or a well appears when you're... Like, it, they look more like towns than the sort of, you know, pure grid that was in two. But it still has a feeling of a grid. It's not like three where when those games go 3D and they don't have that grid anymore, they just don't... It, it doesn't snap and feel good. You know, it's right. not SimCity anymore. It's not, you know, you kind of need that that feel. So I think it does a really good job. I think the campaign stuff is really good. I was surprised how much I enjoyed the video vignettes. They're so well produced. It's like something you'd see on BBC. It, like, kind, of, uh, it kind of feels like, you know, this has been... I mean, they announced this game back in 2017. There's a part of me is like, 
are they just looking for a way to spend Microsoft's money here by having like these wild, basically, Jeff, they have like documentary yeah, vignettes between the campaign missions, which it's kind of cool because like, OK, this is where the Battle of Hastings happened. And then we're going to actually put like the outline of Age of Empires units like in that as we have a drone cam flying over it. There's cool stuff in there. They're really swinging for it. I don't know if that's just so they have something for marketing to push rather than the classic thing, Kyle, of doing everything they can to hide the gameplay in an RTS game when they're trying to get people to pay attention to it. (laughs) And now they can just be like, look at this trebuchet, it's wild! (laughs) Oh, yes, the the famous, um, uh, what was the, Tim Schafer, what was the double fine one? What is Um, this? The the RTS, the the double fine for the the Jack Black. Yeah, 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 Brutal Legend, where they they famously intentionally did not say it was an RTS until the game came out. Right, Um, right. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it is kind of like they are hard games to add to, right? Because if you add, you, you make it more complex. And the the purity I think of Age of Empires is that it is one of those real time strategy games that people like me who are bad at real time strategy games can really pick up and play. Like me yeah. and my wife played Age of Empires two DE on LAN here for most of like quarantine. Oh, that, like, that was so our go to. Was we'd play skirmish games against the AI, or we'd like, you know, you can do all the like putting yourselves on the same teams or different teams or like messing with the map styles and all that stuff. I will say the one thing that I I'm I'm a little bit disappointed by is the amount of maps available in skirmish mode. There's mm-hmm. only like 16 or 17 and you know again AoE2 has got this huge lineage so of course there are you know 50 or 80 I don't know maps in that and the community maps. The community maps will be coming to this. They're not in there yet. Uh, there will be mod support apparently. It's not in there yet. So I'm hoping that stuff gets added. But as an Age of Empires package that was made by a team who didn't... And this is Relic as right, well. This right. isn't, you know... The, the ensemble don't exist anymore, haven't done in a decade. And, and the Relic are no strangers to RTS games, but they haven't made this type of game. I think they... Yeah, it's hard to argue with what's here. It's I think it's really good. Yeah, it, it makes me really happy to play it. Uh, I'm going to be playing a lot more. It's kind of fun... Even people like Dan Reichert, who's a big Command & Conquer guy, right? And, like, we played a little StarCraft together, but not much. But even he's, like, getting into it at this point. And I'm hoping that, like, some online competition will get him even more into it. But Mm. it's nice to see, like, every RTS fan coming out of the woodwork to be like, all right, I'll play this one that's nice and relaxing and not too complicated, pretty Mm. conservative for game design back for even 1999 (laughs) standards with Age of Empires 2. It's kind of just more of that, but it's so nice to have. Um, Plus, I mean... It's a hell of a week for RTS games because you got this, you got Dune is tearing up the box office charts. And like as an RTS fan, I always feel like some connection to Dune. Like that's the origins, baby. And now. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about Dune for a second. Yeah. You mentioned the fact that you don't have to upgrade, you know, use the 10 center to upgrade ages anymore, which right. is great. Cause then that means you can free yourself up to make more civilization to make more people. Mm-hmm. Age of Empires one had the same problem Dune had, where you could only do one thing at a time. Do you remember that? Where <laughs> there's uh, a character named Duncan Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> what? Is that really a thing? Is there a character called Duncan Idaho in, in the Dune game? Are we talking it's, about Dune 2? I mean, that's who Jason Momoa plays in the Dune film. Is that Duncan really? Duncan Idaho. I, I love that Duncan movie. Idaho. Danny, I know you're seeing it later, so I'm not going to spoil anything for you. Yes, later uh, today, yeah. It is just one of those oh. weird sci-fi things of like, oh, it's this fantastical world. You're trying to like pick up on every word of like, okay, what is this? What are they calling this? What is this? And then it's like, oh, and then Paul. 
and his mom, Lady Rebecca. It's like, what? What is this? Come on. I'm, I'm, I have to turn the subtitles on to understand the basic concept of everything else in this world, except for Paul. Dude, I was, I have a, I have a three-year-old daughter in California, right? So, yeah. And she has a non-standard name and all of her friends in her class are like, I grew up, I went to Ireland, Catholic school. All of our names were pulled out of the Old Testament, right? So uh, I was playing with her yesterday and making up names of characters. And she has this character she plays with and its name is Jack. And I was like, what about its brother, John? And she looked at me like I had two eyes and said, John? (laughs) What the (laughs) It's John. <laughs> like all her all her friends' names are like Tiger and like you know in Duncan Idaho, and she was like John. <laughs> yeah, so dude makes no sense. Yeah, yeah it's a mess. Uh, but Adrian Bars Four, uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about it more. I want to be streaming it as well. Uh, it's it's so weird to get into this game before it's out. I think it's like the first, probably a sign of the times was the first RTS that I've had before it came out. Maybe like some of the Starcraft expansions or something. Um, but it's so weird to like, I just want to like look at high level strategy for yeah. this Civ that I chose. And I end up Googling a Boston dynasty. It's just a bunch of stuff about the actual dynasty. I, I don't care for it. I'm just looking for, <laughs> give me some tips here, everybody. So it's I'm looking be forward fun. to a uh, spirit of the law is my go-to YouTube channel for uh, age of empires. I'm Ooh. looking forward to, uh, them getting the, the getting into the nitty gritty like okay actually best thing to close it out the yeah, best thing yeah. of the age of empires four you can build fucking eight farms around the uh mill without having to like do that weird <laughs> how do i min max talk about min max how do i min max the amount of uh you know the the, the distance from the farms to the thing because i've watched like three videos of his where, where he goes into like the the best way to place farms. That's yeah, where we're at. That's perfect. Uh, also, I mean, it's on Game Pass for PC and stuff. So if you love Age of Empires 2 and you miss the genre, like absolutely jump in. It's, it'll be pretty cheap for one month just to give it a whirl. Um, hey, Kyle. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, there's also this game uh, called Guardians of the Galaxy that is out and you've been playing it, yes? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, okay. I'm on, I think there's 17 chapters, and I'm on chapter seven. It's surprisingly long. Wow, I didn't know it was that. Oh, long nice. Though. Yeah, I guess I saw online yeah. it's like somewhere around 16 hours, depending on how much time you spend. But yeah, it's a it's an RPG, so I guess it it makes sense, yeah. right? Um, but I, I am, it just t- it took me a little off guard. I thought it was going to be like a you know eight hour story experience. Yeah, um, yeah. Not, not a complaint. No. So I'm like in chapter four. Danny, where are you at? Um, I think I'm around five at this stage. Okay. Uh, I don't know how everybody else is feeling about this, but I started it yesterday and I really like this game. I like it so much more than I thought. Kyle, where are you at? Yeah, I, I, I'm in the same boat. It's I was thinking about because, you know, I've been as we all are, I'm sure, starting a lot of games right now mm-hmm. in this season. That's how it goes. And like I, the, I, I'm fairly confident this one I'm seeing to the end where Far Cry 6, something I've really I really enjoyed and had, had a good time with. Like I, I'm. I don't really think I'm going to finish it, but yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy has caught me off guard. I, I don't, I don't think I was as turned off as most by the sort of early presentations. Yeah. Like even still, I was like it. I was like I'm, I'm very quickly on board. It's kind of structured a little like Mass Effect to me. It feels like yeah, and in both like just the way the game functions and also in like the era it kind of comes from. It feels closer to like a 360 era game just in the way it's more linear and it's like story focused. You do a level, you get a cutscene, you do a level, you get a cutscene. But, um, 
yeah, once you kind of get over the shock of like looking at the Guardians and being like, these don't look like the Guardians I know, and right, then you start right. to accept them as Guardians of the Galaxy, I, I'm really enjoying it. I'm having a really good time with it. Yeah, that is a thing. In talking about the kind of like old school nature of it in some ways, because it, it looks good. I'm playing a PC and I think the yeah. faces in particular look really good. Um, but then there's those moments of like puzzle design, like environmental puzzle design, where it's like, okay, it almost feels a little like a Lego game at some point. It's like, okay, Gamora, you can slice through these uh, vines. So you go over here, Drax, you drag this thing over here. It's like, um, I remember on the visiting uh, vigil for the Darksiders 2 cover story trip at Game Informer, and they used the term nuzzles, meaning not a puzzle, where it's just a thing you have to move over here to move on, and I can't stop thinking about it. And this game is a very, it's a very nuzzle-heavy game. I'm just, you're never going to be stuck, but it's just a lot of little things you got to do to progress. The puzzles, just, just really quickly, of like, just pointing specific characters towards, you know, doing something. Yeah. It's all in service of, like, just creating really good characterization for everybody, and really, like, they're, they're really good at sticking to, like, who they are, and part of that is in the design of the game in a strange way. Yeah, I think that's true. And they, even, like, small things, I think they do a good job of bringing out personality about just, uh, you know, it, pretty linear environments that I've seen so far, but it's like, okay, I'm going to go collect some scrap over here for some upgrades, and even as I'm doing that, characters are, like, giving me shit about, like, oh, going to explore everywhere, but where we have to go? Like, that's the big thing, is they do not stop talking in this game. It is a lot of dialogue. <laughs> I don't know. But Danny, are you as warm on it as we are? Where are you at, man? Yeah, I think this is a really good example. I can't think of an example in recent times of a game where I think it's it's poor showing in preview is actually going to make people like it more. Interesting. Um, I went in with such low expectations for this. I think coming off the Avengers stuff as well. And I'm not a I'm not a Marvel or I don't care about any of this stuff. Like I think Thor Ragnarok and the first Guardians movie are the only ones that I actually enjoyed out of any of this stuff. I don't care for the characters. I don't read comic books. I'm sorry. I just don't yeah. mind. Um but I I think that like Kyle said, I think the characterization in this is super well done. Like I was I was on the side of Star Lord almost immediately. Um, I think Drax is hilarious. Like I'm constantly laughing at the back and forth between him and Gamora. Um, to your point about like them saying stuff, like at one stage I accidentally fired my gun in a random place where there was nothing ever to shoot, and they all started giving me for firing my gun. <laughs> I like, love that. What are you, what are you shooting at? <laughs> like, <laughs> like stuff like that. Um, and I think the pacing of it is really good. Like it it doesn't. The combat definitely takes like those three or four or five chapters to sort of like warm up to, you know, the rock, paper, scissors of what's going on and like managing the crew, which is good. Like uh, your your character is as much a, you know, you're you're managing the other four as you are doing stuff yourself. You know, it's not like you have a million and one abilities as Star-Lord. You have your guns and they kind of adapt a little bit. Yeah. But then like it's not too much combat and then it's a bit of story and a bit of walk and talk. A bit of nuzzling, as you said. Yeah. The, you know, like puzzles. I think the what, the thing that, like, keeps me coming back, and like Kyle, this has been a game that, in a season in which I am more than happy to say I will come back to you later, this is one that I keep going back to, is there's just... It really seems to be f***ing trying. Like, all the environments keep getting weird. The enemies are weird, like jelly cubes. And, yeah. You know, boss fights. They, they do a good job of layering in all the characters early in the game you start off with just you and one and then they bring them in one by one and yeah like no one part seems to be overstaying its welcome you know uh and and that's why i think but i but i do think this is one of those games that's really hard 
to recommend yes or no to people because I think if you don't vibe with the script and all that, you're not going to like it. But if you do, you probably will put up with the relatively basic Xbox 360 era gameplay that's happening. Yeah. yeah it, there is a lot of script. So if you're not, <laughs> yeah, like they, <laughs> they constantly talk, which I like. Like, I think that's cool. They also throw a lot of uh, fake swear words around. Like, they use the word flark and flarkin. Yeah constantly <laughs> like you really just got a brace for impact on that but it's not like it's it's i don't know maybe some people are annoyed danny i don't know maybe a better read of where other people are at but like it's not like it's immortals or something where there's a lot of dialogue and the jokes are eh, hit and miss like this it's either like pretty neutral or something that's actually pretty funny that they squeezed in there I think it's just like comedy is one of those things where if people don't like a certain comedy they kind of hate it right it's not like you know it's like it's like the way people think about the big bang theory right you either have watched that thing for eight seasons long or you think it's the worst thing to ever go on television and yeah. I, so i think that's the problem with some some like and this is a very like comedic upfront kind of story um but it does have a surprising amount of heart to it like yeah i you know i i, I am very aware of how much i piss off rocker when i ask him to do anything that involves him being an animal or small right, you know right. Mean? like it's like I, it's yeah just, i i really genuinely feel bad like i every every time uh star lord is like come on rocket i i feel it i'm like rocket like work with me here man come on because <laughs> drax was throwing him his team you know like that whole yeah, drax, yeah. like i was like Oh, this this is like workplace harassment. <laughs> no, it's like this is mean. Like I like I don't want to do that to him. But it, it would have been so much easier to have to throw him. Like, there's a whole thing you can throw him across a chasm or, or tell Drax to calm down, and then instead you have to find another way around. And like it was, I've seen it play out both ways. And it, there's a bit to do to to not throw him. You know what I mean? So, oh, interesting. I think it's, yeah, it's funny how, you know, th there are those choices and a lot of those choices in the dialogues thing are probably pretty soft, but like, I really liked some of that. Like the bit with the child in the space station and the yeah. mom, I think that, that was so, the bit where you're kind of like, you can help out the mom, help out the kid or kind of stay quiet. I thought that was super well done. Yeah. And like that section too, it felt so much more like uncharted than I was expecting, especially in the first couple hours of this game. It's still a lot of star lord sliding down an enclosure going no 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 it's like oh there's actually like a whole there's quick time events everybody like that's kind of that old school nature but still like the comment in mass effect earlier that might have been the biggest mass effect moment of all time because they were stuck in an elevator for 20 minutes talking to that's each a good other. point that's a very <laughs> solid point yeah yeah um but yeah it's so weird to think of like the negative note this game got out on and like how much of it was a lot of people were watching square enix's e3 press conference and like the demo that they gave at that press conference was maybe five minutes too long and that can sour everybody combined with the fact that like uh, they kind of look like the mcu characters but not quite and they sound different or it's like i'm totally with you danny i think the environments and the enemies so far are so creative and so beautiful and so weird and out there that it's like we can't overlook the fact that like we've seen two movies with these characters before and they kind of are a little bit off from that like overlook that there's a lot of amazing stuff happening here I'm interested in what Kyle does it because you're further ahead than us. Does does it keep being that varied, or does it start to like settle into a pattern? Uh, no, it, it stays pretty varied. I will say the enemies are a little less varied, but like I I don't think it's a spoiler to say I'm in I'm in nowhere right now, which was in the first film. Yeah, and like I'm constantly moving around. Like you're in different environments all the time. I yeah, it's I, I it's it never really seems to open up. 
as mm. near as I can tell. But that's okay. Like I kind of like being on the story track. You yeah. know, like I, I don't Very Mass really. Effect one. I yeah. like exploring the ship. Like it's nice to walk around the ship, but like I don't really want to explore these environments. I more want to get into the action and hear the dialogue. Is like my main sort of focus for wanting to play. And the ship stuff I quite like because as well they kind of that's optional to an extent as well, right? They kind of they leave you there and if you want to talk to people and interact and explore and have more conversations like sometimes there's one or two things you have to do maybe but they kind of allow you to engage with the characters a bit more there but it's not required viewing which i thought was i mean that's that's the thing that i want from licensed games in general is like just the opportunity to exist in a familiar space Like, you know what I mean? Like, I like being able to walk around the ship mm-hmm. and like sort of it's like, oh, I know these character. I know a version of these characters. I know a version of this ship. It's cool to kind of just walk around and explore and constantly close the refrigerator door for some reason. <laughs> I keep waiting for it to pop for doing it was that. Like when that. Even, even, even yeah, one of the back flashes, you can do it in your home and on Earth. You can right, the refrigerator right. doors open. Who so. <laughs> loves yeah. to, yeah, the best thing about uh, exploring worlds is opening fridges. Up. <laughs> that, it, it reminds me of the, uh, like, Star Trek Elite Force when you finally got on the bridge. It was just like, ah. Right, you know, right. Yeah. yeah, I love that like kind the, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah it does. I, yeah. I, and I have, I have no attachment to the subject matter. Um, and I, you know, as an outsider, I am also enjoying that space i also oh, think nice. like there's no, i don't think there's a weak character in it i think star lord is like kind of plays the role of a bit of a doofus which is pr- probably handy but like i really right. like gamora's characterization i think drax is absolutely brilliant and rocket i couldn't even tell you the difference between the two and then Groot is Groot. <laughs> right <laughs> right you get the idea uh, uh i'm still trying to wrap my mind around the um what are they called huddles in the combat it's kind of like a limit <laughs> break weird. thing it's the one thing in the game that's the most jarring I've, just, I've only done it like two or three times but it's like what is this so it's kind of like the limit break but everybody just comes up and literally does a big huddle and then they say stuff and then it's like a dialogue choice where you have to like basically just confirm that you were listening to what they were saying because they say like we're here to have fun this is a fun fight isn't it and then you choose yes this fight is fun and then 80s songs blast out, and then you fight the rest of the fight with the 80s track. It's just like this really well, yeah, bizarre you also have like You can, you you know, you have like uh, technical boosts and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Like doing more Yeah. It's really yeah, odd. It is odd. It's, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't dislike it. I will say sometimes I'm like, do I want to activate that to engage this cutscene? I kind of want to just keep fighting. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. I guess that's the big thing we haven't mentioned is. Thanks to James Gunn now, uh, you can't have Guardians of the Galaxy without 80s music and holy God, it's like they just have like an 80s radio, like an 80s radio station playing in the background the entire time I mean, during the show. It literally it, it, does. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, crazy. That's, say, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing, yeah, it's like, I guess even during certain moments though, it's like, okay, we'll have Tainted Love just quietly playing in the background <laughs> of this scene. Like, I would love to know their budget for just licensing these songs because it's not even like... Yeah, it's not a mixtape. It is a, a mix iPod at this point, I guess, which is where they go in the films. But it is absurd how much music they cram into here. Uh, but hey, it's yeah, a bunch it's of 80s I nostalgia. like the soundtrack. Yeah, it's, it's fun. And I mean, also, there's, I don't know if you guys felt the same thing. In the very beginning of the game, you, you start, you're kind of a flashback. You're young Star-Lord, and you're in his bedroom, which is like a cool way to start. Like, yeah. oh yeah, I want to look around his room and see what's in here. And there's like, it's all fictional stuff. Fictional bands, fictional movies. 
except for the Tron poster and the Chewbacca action figure. Yes. It's, it's a little jarring to be like, okay, well, they got they got the Disney thumbs up for those two things and everything else. They <laughs> Although, yeah, also, Chew- they also have Pac-Man later on in the sequence, so well, it, it's some yeah. cross-publisher oh, yeah. licensing yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I liked all that stuff. It's It's heartwarming. It's, you know... The type of I often wonder if you have kids, does it change all that stuff as well? I watched Lamb last night, and I feel like if I watched that without have, have having a kid, I would have had a different you know reaction to it. But like all those moments with the kids, like I said, in the elevator, that yeah. stuff is like it. Yeah, it's, it sounded like it worked for everyone. So like it's that type of feeling, you know. I I I'm I I want to know where the characters are going. Like they've set a really good baseline for yeah. like their interactions, and I want to. I want to see not just the Guardians, how they get on. Like, I want to see all these other characters we keep bumping into. Yeah. I wonder how much of it is, you know, who knows how long they've been working on this thing exactly. But it's Eidos Montreal, which is bizarre to be like, oh, the mm. Thief reboot team and the, <laughs> the Deus Ex team are moving on to this. But they were a big supporter uh, in development of Avengers. And so it's like, it seems yeah. very based on that tech. So it's interesting to think of like that team kind of honing their tech chops, understanding the tools with that, and now moving on to this completely single-player game. But, Kyle, I'd imagine you're still gaga over the fact that this is a single-player experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I am totally, like, this is all, this is what I want from if they're from Marvel continuing forward. I, I don't care about the Avengers sort of model. I don't want to play games like that. Yeah. Um, but this I, this I love. Yeah, this I'll take. There it is, everybody. Guardians of the Galaxy available on everything, including Switch. Uh, the big cloud version, if you're nasty. Oh. Um, <laughs> but hey, Danny, for thanks all for... you filthy motherfuckers <laughs> out there with good Wi-Fi. With yeah, good Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny, thank you for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Um, Talk to you for Age of Empires Five. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, if people love you and they want more of you, where should they go to consume your soul? Oh my God! Just go to youtubecom video. Check out—we just did a round of documentaries on uh, two 2021 indie games. Um, so if you want to check out uh, design retrospectives, so to speak, on Death Store and Chivalry Two, uh, check out the uh, check out the YouTube channel and support us on Patreon if you're into that type of thing. Which something tells me, if you're listening to this, you've probably dabbled. That's true, Danny. You're welcome back whenever you want, man. Sorry for keeping you here for so long. Absolute pleasure. I gotta go see Denis Villeneuve's fucking the Hugh controls the box office controls dude. See you <laughs> Enjoy. Later. Okay, give us one clap to clap out, dude. You gotta do it. Clap. Sarah Podzorski, welcome to the show. Hello. Sarah, you're here just in time because I've been dying to tell you about something. Yeah. You know, like that thing you use every day, the computer, and like how mm-hmm. there's that box on the top that's typically white and you you can like type stuff in there? Like the URL bar? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. do you know it? Okay, great. Jeff, seriously, listen up, dude. It turns out we exist only because people go to that and then they type in www.patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. Can you believe it? Isn't that wild? I don't know. (laughs) We believe it. Sorry, we're... We're not in awe. We, we know how this process works. Yeah, not in awe. Nodding off. Hey, look at this, though. We exist because of people like Timmy D. Uh, Timmy D getting biz on the crops, right, Kyle? Anyway, Timmy D supports us with a synced up podcast and says, Hello, MinMax fans. Last Saturday. Don't let the beat drop, Hanson. Don't let the beat drop. <laughs> Thank you. Last November, the synced up podcast supported Ben and the cohorts. Oh, hang on. I need the music. 
Um, supported the cohorts, and it went so well, we decided to do it again. We received a large outpouring of love from everyone here, and even made some lifelong friends, too. Well, we still have our video game show, The Synced Up Podcast. We also started a new show a few months ago, aptly named The Synced Up Filmcast. In this show, we focus mainly on watching, reviewing, and ranking different movie franchises. We also recap the news and react to new trailers from the week, too. If any of this sounds good, consider going on bleh, consider going on over to youtube.com slash Synced Up Podcast, or search Synced Up Filmcast in your favorite podcasting service, and look for the red and white logo. We hope to see you there. Also, thank you to the fine folks at Fixture, Fixture Gaming. They want everybody to know about the Fixture S1, which was a clip that you put onto your Nintendo Switch Pro controller. Then you actually slide the Switch screen on there so you can play with the best controller on the go. There's a link in the description if you want to go check it out on Amazon. It is $35. There's also the carrying case bundle. And because they're very generous over there at Fixture Gaming, uh, they have been giving away custom MinMax Fixture S1s. You can win one by following us on Twitter. We have a giveaway going all the time. So check us out on Twitter, everybody, for the big Fixture S1 giveaway. We are MinMax Show on Twitter. Also, Kyle, you're going to be very excited about this one because we also have a new item from I Am 8-Bit, our dear friends at I Am 8-Bit. They want everybody to know that they have in their store the one and only thing that's not popping up right now, and I don't know why. There it is. The Hyperlight Drifter 4 vinyl soundtrack, Kyle. Have you seen this vinyl soundtrack? No, but I I adore that soundtrack. I actually bought it digitally when the game came out originally. Oh, awesome. I love it. Uh, You should really check this out, though. It is fantastic. The music is by Disasterpiece. The art is by Heart Machine and Drew Wise. It also includes the full digital soundtrack. You can get it in i8bit's wonderful online store where everything in that store under $100 is 10% off if you use our super secret promo code, SCAREDSTUPID. No space. Scared, stupid, no space. You get 10% off everything in I Am Apex Wonderful Online Store, and you can help support them because they support us in a big way, and they're very generous with the community in a big way because every single week they give out a prize to the Midnight community. Whoever submits the greatest question of the week over on Patreon. So whoever submits the greatest question will win a prize. You can submit a question if you support us on Patreon at the $2 tier. Are you all ready to go? Ready. Yes. Jeff, Jeff um, are you ready? I'm ready. Jeff, I feel like you should read all these questions because you've been quiet for so long. <laughs> well, you guys talked about Age of Empires for a long time. Yeah, that is true. I'm sorry. <laughs> you missed it, sir. It was a really good time. We had Daniel Dwyer on. It was a hoot. Anyways, hey, Sean Mason uh, jumps in on Patreon with this question and says, Hey, CLCs, it's the final episode before my favorite holiday of the year, Halloween. With that said, I've been hankering Woo. to play a few spooky titles. Look, this is, some would call this a basic question. We wouldn't, because we're very nice. But my question is, what are some of your favorite spooky-themed games not named Resident Evil? Does spooky-themed just mean horror game? <laughs> I think he's overwriting the question. Yeah, Favorite horror game, Sarah, yeah. what do you got? This is, like, this is a hard one. Like, I did spend all of October only playing horror games. Yeah. Um, so I do consider myself kind of, you know maybe a minor expert expert in this category. Naturally. And it really depends on what scares you the most. There's, like, mm. different types of, you know, horror and different types of games. Um, I'm still a big fan of all the Amnesia games. I really liked Amnesia Rebirth, but it was too scary for me. Really? That was your limit? I could not get through it, and they had to go back in and patch it to make it less scary, because 
people weren't making it through. But then you have like <laughs> the games that maybe aren't as scary, but they're stressful. So I consider Resident Evil stressful. Right. It's so stressful. Um, so I guess it just depends. I really liked this little game called Devotion. I played that. That was like a shorter game. That's the one that was nuked from stores because it yeah, had like Yeah, I had to get reference. it off the developer's website. Okay, that's the best yeah. place to get it. And that's like a first yeah. person, what, PT it's style thing or something? Person, yeah, it's very like PT style. Very sort of like you walk through, you complete minor puzzles. There's some spooks. Okay. There's some, there's some fears. Um, Soma always has a great place in my heart. But that's so much longer game. Yeah. What um, um you just well, finished Until Dawn, streaming that on Midnight Yeah, Access I finished Trisham. Until Dawn. How was that? That one's it's good, but it's it's not as easy to access because you have to have a PlayStation. I couldn't there's no way to play it on PC. Really? Yeah, you I had to get it on PlayStation. I literally had to get like a PS now subscription so I could play Until Dawn. Oh, that's a pain in the ass. But it's good. It is really, really good. It's a good horror game. Another like very story driven one. Not not no puzzles it depends like do you like puzzles in your horror games we could like we could debate this all evening right do you need puzzles do you not like puzzles do you prefer just like ambient horror yeah yeah jeff um, are you a big horror person you just totally cut off kyle but yeah uh i i do like i'm i'm a bit of a scaredy cat uh so i enjoy it sometimes i my favorite is still probably Silent Hill 2 because I think I also really enjoyed the story in that one. Um, and Dead Space, the original Dead Space, was too scary for me to actually finish. I never finished that one. Is that true? It was just like I had such dread playing that game. I, I would play it for like f- I would I was playing it consecutively like night after night, but yeah. I'd play like five minutes and get through like one room and be like, yeah, okay, I accomplished a lot. I, I feel that's like a good that's a good stopping point for tonight because it was it's <laughs> just like it's I think it's the atmosphere that gets to me most and and like I'm I'm such a sucker for for jump scares all the time and that right, game was right. especially bad about it because they're constantly jumping out behind you and. Doing yeah. all kinds of cheap things, and so it just—they—they it—it gets to the point where they don't even actually need to do the actual jump scare if they've established that it could happen. And it can. Then it's like the atmosphere will just freak me out, and I, and I become crippled with fear. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a big fat baby boy when it comes to to scary games, and but like we just did the deepest dive in Dead Space, and I played through the first played through it for the first time. I was shocked how not scared I was. And I think it's it's totally just that atmosphere well, thing. Well, you were all weren't you also playing in the middle of the day with like all your windows open and like yeah. AirPod in listening to like circus music or something? Ooh, I don't know, that might make I don't know why that's relevant, <laughs> Kyle, but yeah. But no, I think it's just also just like the atmosphere. You're totally right, where it's like, I know I'm never going to be stuck on a ship with a bunch of bloody aliens. Like, yeah, there's a jump scare that can happen compared to something like Fatal Frame 2. Where it says, hey, you're in the woods, you're in some house, and there's a ghost there. Ghosts that's are going to sc- get you? Absolutely. Ghosts that, are going to get feels everybody. More plausible? Absolutely. You think ghosts are less plausible than dead space? <laughs> Just, yeah, I, fair, I mean, fair being point, in a house and suddenly <laughs> some ghost walks down the stairs, you have to take a picture of it. That There's like a 50% chance that's happening to me in my life. So <laughs> Fatal Frame 2 is just unplayable. Wow. Uh, sorry, Kyle. Did you have thoughts before Kyle or Jeff and Rudley? Could you oh, have? I, I was I was just curious if the Dark Pictures games are on Steam, or are those only on 
console. They're on Steam. I think the newer ones are. Yeah, I think the newer ones are. Yeah. Um, but this, yeah, Until Dawn was a good uh, Dead Sony Space 2 is, is still uh, EA's best game, period. So okay. that's an important one to play. There it is. Um, Aaron Yu writes in and says, asks very specifically, uh, hey, Grand Theft Auto 3 just celebrated its 20th anniversary on October 22nd. This might be a big question, but has there been a, has there been a more impactful game in the game industry in the last 20 years than GTA 3? Because he's not sure that there has. I feel like you could make a long list of games in the last 20 years that have been impactful at that there's like well, but as impactful as gta 3 i i, I mean, don't think so i, I think, think you're so. looking in like the wrong direction with this because like i'm looking at like cultural things so like culturally what fortnite did for battle royale was a big thing yeah and like esports in general and then i look at like minecraft and how mm. minecraft's like grown and evolved so i don't know i think it just depends on how yeah. you're looking at it because there's a lot of yeah, games think, that have come out and like completely changed the narrative. Well, yeah, like the thing about like Minecraft, as huge as it is, hasn't really influenced a lot of other games. Ultimately. I don't know. I think I think Minecraft. You could make a case if you want to be a real historian about this stuff about Minecraft bringing up even just the survival genre in a big way, and if that's like a big explosion of popularity of survival, which obviously there's the crafting, there's a building that's also huge, but survival. And then you track that survival aspect. You can make a case that like, okay, does that filter into Arma design in any way, which then filters into PUBG, which then filters into Fortnite. Like you can trace a lot of things back to Minecraft. If you want to be a maniac about it, I think, I think there's a chance. I don't know. I I still think, I still think a lot of people play GTA three and totally scrapped projects. And were like, whatever we do next has to follow this mold. Like right. it has to be open world, or it's we're going to be irrelevant. Right. And I don't think that uh, PUBG or Minecraft have have had similar reactions from developers, where it's like if we don't incorporate elements of Minecraft into our game, I, I think we're we're just might as well give up. I think that's. You know? I mean, I don't know about give up. <laughs> we should I all know, just I, pretend I, we're I'm talking just, in a hyperbolic. I think that's exactly but. what happened at Epic after they were done working on Gears of War for a bit, or I guess it was kind of during Judgment's development of that period of, you look at the success of Minecraft, we need to do something like that, and then that's where Fortnite came from. Like, it's a pretty direct line, so you could say that the biggest game in the world now came from... That gets so tricky, though, because it's like the element of Fortnite that they were, like, so borrowed from Minecraft is not the thing that made it successful. You mean mean the part that they completely (laughs) abandoned in order to make it popular? Foundations, foundation, everybody! yeah, I yeah. don't know. But I, I mean, that one just gets messy. But I think you make a good point, Hanson and and Sarah too. Yeah. Yeah, I have sowed the seeds of chaos, and now you may fight amongst yourselves for my entertainment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And if, if you're if you're talking culturally, I don't know how you beat Fortnite because that that feels like that just exploded so far out of just like our video game realm and went into other worlds where you have like. The biggest, you know, music artists doing concerts now in Fortnite and I can't even comprehend what's going on. Right, right. Um, but but in, ter- in terms of games that influenced other games that came out, I, I would have to, I'd have a hard time beating Grand Theft Auto 3 too, for that. Because that's not only like all open, 3D open world games, but so much of of open world game design in terms of like, how you get missions and the types of missions that you're doing and all of that stuff yeah. really spawned from GTA 3 as well. Yeah. There's a part of me that wants to say The Sims 
being influential, but that was also, what, 99? So, or that's 2000. I'm sorry. So not, not quite in that 20-year window. Um, but do you guys um, have thoughts on that, the remastered stuff for GTA? Do you see that trailer? Any gut reactions? Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I think I'm going to try to beat Vice City. It's I never beat Vice City. So, Kyle, and I want to play it on Switch. I kind of want to beat Vice City, too. <laughs> I saw that. It's like God. I just played that one at a friend's house, uh, and I feel like yeah. I need to. I need to actually spend some time with it. And like, yeah, I think yeah. playing played, on Switch. played a lot of three. Played a ton of Vice City, but San Andreas was the first one I beat. You know, and then from there, I've I've, I've finished them all. But yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm just realizing now that you guys brought it up that I beat those <laughs> three original games, and those were probably like. I, I could probably count on on one hand like the number of open world games that I've actually beaten, and I I think that's three of them. Wow, that's like, oh, really? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. hang on, I'm looking at the Backstage Pass. People watching us live. Um, in terms of influential games, last twenty years, Modern Warfare. Beat number Brian brings up. Aaron T says Uncharted, Far Cry Three. Aaron T, yeah, I think Modern Warfare. Yeah, there's a there's a strong case you can make for that. Or Uncharted. I think, you know what? Far Cry 3, I think, like, almost doesn't get quite enough credit. I think it is more influential on Breath of the Wild than we realize, I think. Just because it was, like, specifically credit. cited that they played it? Uh, oh, yeah. Onuma specifically mentioned it as a game, a modern game that he had played. And I think it probably did influence him thinking, like, oh, this is, we should, <laughs> let's open up Zelda like this, kind of, you know? Yeah. But it's not, it's, you know, whenever anyone talks about Breath of the Wild, they don't talk about Far Cry. But are we not considering Far Cry 3 influenced by GTA 3 to begin with? I, I would certainly, yeah. Sarah says no. No, I'm just. This is turning into like a, a Zelda timeline situation. <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, it's like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Like what came first? Right. Well, in yeah. a way, don't GTA you? three. We've established. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, Brian D. Rubel says, "Hey, Ben and friends." What the hell? Brian, are you a cop? You have to tell us legally if you're a cop. But Brian D. Rubel asked, "Hey, Ben and friends, what's your favorite crime?" Is a trick? Did, oh, did, I, and, and by the I way, I was thinking but, about this. You know, I, not necessarily a crime to co- commit. I don't think I have a favorite crime to commit. Um, but uh, I just you gotta love like like entertainment media about stealing from the rich. You know, like the Ocean's Eleven kind of. It's just fun to watch a plan come together and get executed of stealing uh, from someone who yeah. won't really miss that money very much. Kyle's a big Tower <laughs> Heist fan. Yeah, yeah. That that was gonna be stealing from the rich was gonna be my answer to like any kind of em- embezzlement. Rich, if, if you're stealing from someone that they like. Or a corporation, and they don't even realize that you're stealing it. Like you should just get the money at that point. If it if it takes them more than like <laughs> yeah. a week to figure out that it's gone, then I say it's yeah. yours. Then, then but, it's legal. Yeah, and I like that idea. Like as an incentive, it's like, hey, you want to get rich? All right, you can. But just you know, it's legal to steal just, from you. Just Good cover luck. It up. Yeah, yeah. Have you, Jeff? Uh, have you seen Logan Lucky? Have you seen that movie? I haven't. No. Now that's there's a, that's sort of in the plot of that movie a little bit. <laughs> Okay. Of just like if they don't notice it's gone, it's like they, eh, you know, who cares? <laughs> Interesting. But but I I had a subset to that answer of stealing from the rich, which is art forgers, mm-hmm. because like that also takes like the the legitimate skill that like for like forgers who make like classic paintings that are like brush for brush stroke like perfect accuracy like yeah. they're already so talented but there's there's something that i can appreciate about then also using that talent to just like make make fake art that you're then going to swindle 
like people who already have way too much money and they're spending like I bought this painting for fifty million dollars because it because just because it's worth a lot and I was just gonna you know like hoard it and then sell it later for even more but it turns out it's fake and yeah they're, I don't have a lot of sympathy for that to begin with and kudos for being so talented <laughs> that you could pull it off yeah they're like the blue point games of their field these art foragers if you really think about it man hey uh what do you get hey what do you how do you feel about jaywalking is everyone just fully on board with jaywalking? Yeah. Does anybody hesitate at any point about jaywalking? Wait, being tonight show host Jay Leno and yeah. going onto the street and asking people right. questions? The greatest crime, crime of all. Oh, yeah. That's why he's not on TV <laughs> anymore, man. He's hauled off in chains. <laughs> I don't know. I got up my head with jaywalking because uh, now Sony PR person, traveling a lot with him, uh, Aram Jabari, um, he had this rule that he would not jaywalk in any city that wasn't his home city so we'd be like anywhere in the united states or like around the world and he would just refuse to cross the street it's like there are no cars he's like i will not do it i don't know what the police are like here i refuse to do it and it really got me up ahead of like should i be more worried about jaywalking than i am or i'm just a game on situation especially as a biker i know this is dangerous but like i'm not i'm not stopping for many things when i'm on that bike it's it's fine is that your favorite crime Ooh. I then guess it would be. Jaywalking? Jaywalking on a bike is probably my favorite crime, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Are we crimed out? Everybody's hit their crime quota? Yeah. yeah. I just okay. want to say that I am not a heist person. I feel like heists are my least favorite things. To watch or I the least? Do. least. Oh, I yeah. do not like heist genres. Mm. I don't like it. I feel like they hype me up on this plan. You spend half the time focusing on the plan, and then something goes wrong, but that was also part of the plan. But then something actually goes wrong and like, I'm sorry, but like we didn't execute the plan that we all agreed on. And you also didn't give me all the information personally. That hurts my feelings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not entertained. Right. Yeah. Hey, Ben Shively asks, what is a company that has lost your business forever? The, yeah. I, I thought about tough. this and I was like, are there any companies that I just absolutely won't buy anything from? And I think this, this is a weird one, but I don't think I'll ever back anything on Kickstarter again. Oh, weird. What was the and last not, thing you backed? Uh, it was, uh, gosh, what is it called? It was a movie uh, from, oh, this is going to drive me crazy. A stop animated movie. It was produced by Dan Harmon. It was written by Charlie Kaufman. Oh, weird. Oh, gosh, what? I cannot remember what it was called. But it really turned me off from Kickstarter because I liked all those people, I was like, this sounds amazing. I want to watch this movie. Here's 20 bucks. I would like to see this movie, please. And then it went through like all this, like they sold the rights, all these different things. It ended up going to theaters. It took the, the fact that I spent money to like help finance that film ended up making it take longer for me to actually see it. Mm. And like from that point on, I'm like, I, I'm good. I don't think I want to back anything on Kickstarter. I think some amazing projects have come from Kickstarter. I think it's like done a lot of great things, but personally as a consumer, like I've only kind of been burned by it yeah. in that small way. And it was enough to make me go like, I'll just, if there's a project I see on Kickstarter that I'm excited about, I will wait till it exists and I'll just buy it outright. And I feel like people have gotten a lot smarter with Kickstarter too, of like basically being at the one yard line before they launch their Kickstarter. But like, all right, we just need this extra boost of funding. No more of this, like 
Hey, we're in the blue sky phase. We want to make a video game. Help fund our MMO. We're thinking up mm -hmm. some cool ideas. It's like there's no universe where that works well, unless you know Double Fight Adventure, where you're chronicling everything. But plenty of game ones have gone down the tubes. I don't know, Jeff, have you got one? Uh, by the way, the movie I'm talking about is called Anomalisa. That's what it's called. Oh, I saw that in the theaters. It has like a stop-motion sex scene in you it. You saw it on Kyle's dime. <laughs> Probably, yeah, man, yeah. I paid for that, and then I had to wait to see it. That's right. I was going to guess it before the, me. Yeah, that's weird. Anyways, Jeff, you got a company? Uh, Kyle, that actually reminded me that there was a, a board game Kickstarter that I today was the last day, and I forgot about it, but now you reminded me I was going to... I actually was going to back that one, so thank you. He's going to jump in. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, but my answer was Hobby Lobby. Um, and you know, they went, they went through all of like the homophobic stuff and whatever, which was really enough to just not go there ever. But then I saw an article that they, they've stolen like artifacts, mm -hmm. like tens of thousands of artifacts that they mm -hmm. bought basically illegally and mm -hmm. smuggled into the country. What? Um, that, that they've now like. They've been in the process of giving them all back at this point and saying like, oh, we didn't know what they were doing, but they super knew what they were doing. There Isn't, was a, a so big oh, expose oh, on it. They have like a museum in like Washington, yeah. D.C. where they have all of these artifacts that they've illegally it, brought into the country and stolen. What? It, it's like a it's like a weird Bible museum that's yeah. also like a tax write off because they they buy all these things and then they donate them to their own museum. It, it's it, it's, it's like this huge racket. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they said that they, they were smuggling them all into the country and they were, they were bringing them through customs and it was like all of these old like, Kate, like clay tablets and papyrus and stuff, you know, like writings and all these things that they, that they bought from like black markets. But they had listed them in the, in the customs as like, as like sample tiles. Because they were made out of clay, and, and like they were going to Hobby Lobby, so it, was a, it was a whole big thing. I was like, "Hey, I didn't, I didn't like this company to begin with, but this is just ridiculous." Yeah. On a similar note, what is that pink bag behind you, Jeff? Um, it's a you know, puma bag. We started recording, and then I saw that that was back there, and this is this is like our guest bedroom, and my. <laughs> My wife's sister has been over helping us babysit with, and I didn't realize she got oh, that bag. Oh, okay, that's so. fine. I didn't know if it was like a surprise for later, like you get a load of this was just a bunch of dirty diapers in a bag. No. Uh, Taylor C. submits a question on Patreon and says, I've never considered myself to be overly good at video games. Uh, I completed Last of Us Part Two on hard mode, something I would not normally do, and I've noticed that my skills in third-person action games have significantly improved. I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn, and I'm impressed with how well I'm adapting to the game and flowing through encounters. Congratulations, Taylor. What game got you good at games? And when did you know you were good at a certain type of game? I think I'm still waiting for that day. It That's wasn't, a loaded question, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't Metroid Dread. Somehow I think that made me worse at games <laughs> in some ways. Uh, I don't know. Has anyone got a good one for this? The game that made you good the, at games? The game that was like sink or swim for me personally was playing Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah. So any kind of like competitive shooter especially when it comes to that game, because if you get shot in the head, you know, you're down, you're out, you can't come back. There is no, like, revive. Right. You know, once you're out, you're out, and you can die pretty immediately, you know, because it is very accurate where it's like, if you get shot in the head, you know, you will probably die. So a lot of that for playing with my friends was just me, you know, trying to shoot the other person's head before they shoot you. Right. And also don't put yourself into situations where somebody could easily shoot your head. 
Um, and they can shoot through walls in that game, too. There's a lot of, like, physics-based stuff. So it's like, where am I, what am I standing next to? You know, if someone, you know, where are my angles? Where are my, where are my sight lines? Where are my corners? Aim, if you're aiming down sights, make sure you're aiming at, like, a headline. If a head's going to pop around that corner, make sure that's where you're aiming. Like, it and just, it taught me a lot. That, and you, like, carry forward to other games now? Even yeah, if you're playing, yeah, like, cause, Resident Evil you know, 8 or something? Well, I mean, that's, like, using a controller, but it definitely sure. taught me how to better aim uh, and click heads. That's interesting. And also just better competitive gameplay. Right. Like, don't do stupid, like, don't, don't do stupid stuff. Don't set yourself up for failure. Like, that's not going to help anybody. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Click Heads would be a really good name for, like, an indie online shooter. <laughs> so much. <laughs> that is a good one. That is good. Uh, is anybody else good at games? I no. Again, mm-hmm. I think we all have this qualifier of, you know, not really good at games. But, like, I do have a, a, a fun memory of playing Mega Man X5 with a group of friends and we were all being stuck on a boss and passing the controller. And I was the one that finally beat the boss after like a really long time and I had this moment where I was like, I think I'm pretty good at these Mega Man X games. So. <laughs> Congratulations. I do, did it. do you want me to tell that story at your funeral, Kyle? Yeah. Okay. okay, thank you. I, will. I think old word for OG word. Halo for me was probably, because that back then I also liked Halo enough to to try and play on the harder difficulty levels, which really made you think about combat a lot more. And the combat was just fun enough to actually replay that game yeah. way too much. Yeah, for sure. And then we then we played with the community, and I actually did pretty well. That is true. That is true. So those skills stuck around. There we go. Uh, Tanner Methven writes in and says, Hey, Min Max crew, last week on Jeopardy, The Legend of Zelda was one of the answers, and I was surprised someone got it right. Since in my recollection, the contestants didn't often know video game answers. I'd like to see if you have more faith in them than I do with the game called Did They Get It? I'll give you a Jeopardy clue and you say if they got it or they don't got it. Love the show, says Tanner. Thank you, Tanner. All right, $800 clue. Uh, With flowing white hair, Geralt of Rivia is a monster slayer in this video game series based on the stories of... Andrzej Sapowski. They got is that, that exactly one. how. I think, yeah, because The Witcher is like is beyond it's also a book just video a, games at this yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. This is after Netflix the Netflix show, show came out or before the Netflix show? Unclear. Came out. Unclear. Okay. Uh, so they got it. They, nobody, they got it. nobody even guessed it. Apparently. Can I get like the average age of a contestant on this particular Jeopardy game? Because I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> Tanner's not giving us all the data we need. Okay. Yeah, let's say it's averaging forty-nine. What do you think is the average Jeopardy contestant age? Let's let's go with that. I feel like there's some younger people on Jeopardy yeah, nowadays. Maybe. That old. Okay. Uh, one thousand dollar clue here. Is there a better way to say that? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, this for one thousand in twenty twenty. It was time to find some quote new horizons and build your own island paradise with this Nintendo Switch game. I think they got that one. Again, I want to just say yes because it was, it, to me, it was very, it was in the news. Everyone was like, this is what you can play when you're suffering through your pandemic. I'll say like, no, just because if, if they couldn't get Witcher. Uh, they did not get it. Uh, what? Which host Ken Jennings <laughs> noted was going to make his kids mad, apparently. Uh, all right, $1,600 prompt. Referring to a false promise, 
The Cake is a Lie became a famous meme that sprang from this Valve game. There's no way they got that. If they got this one and not the other two, I'm just giving up on humanity. Blip, blip. Uh, guy it. got over. it, and this uh, Tanner says that the dude rang in quick with Portal. That is amazing. Uh, $800, appropriately, the highest lance won in this classic game. Less appropriately, there were flying ostriches. I don't even Ooh. know that. No shame. Uh, I yeah, it's Joust, but I, I think they got it because that's really old. Yep, <laughs> that's they an did old it. game. They did it. Also, Jesus Tanner, you're amazing. He also has this on another episode for eight hundred dollars in the classic video game Joust. Contestants were placed upon these birds. Uh, they didn't get that one, but I love the idea that Joust is coming up repeatedly. Yeah, what is Jeopardy. this Joust game? Freaking Jeopardy! Oh, do you know Balloon Fight, joust? Sarah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just Balloon Fight is one hundred percent ripoff of Joust. Um, oh, so balloon fight rules. I mean, and therefore joust rules. Well, black black queen, right? Uh, or is that was killer that killer queen? That killer queen. Yeah. yeah, I feel like killer queen has a lot of joust mm-hmm. DNA in there. Yep, 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 for sure. Uh, <laughs> Sarah's just she's taking our word for it. It's really like, good. What is this? You're like <laughs> ostriches in the sky. <laughs> okay, Kyle. Well, so that would probably be what, like eighty two or eighty three. That's like pre Mario, right? Yeah, sure. yeah. Oh, so it's, it's like really okay. Don't worry though, Sarah. They did announce they were making it into a movie a while ago, so you'll oh, understand perfect. it fully. And I guess is it also a heist movie too? With yep, the they're stealing the ostrich <laughs> eggs. You got it. You got it. <laughs> Uh, Colin Birch writes in and says, just a late comment about the All-Star Trivia Tower. Uh, Marcus Stewart from Game Informer's genuine surprise and joy at winning legitimately made my week last week. That is all. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Colin. I get sorry for spoiling Trivia Tower All-Stars. But yeah, I, I I made a clip of it, so I rewatched it a thousand times. Like, I think Marcus is near tears when he won that thing. Like, it was, yeah. it's really sweet nice. to watch. I'm featuring a Jeopardy contestant, by the way. That's true. That, uh, Summit, yeah, uh, from, from Polygon. That's right. Um, By the way, uh, and I, I called. I would have got. I. I would have. <laughs> Remember, you that asked who I thought theme. was going to win. Shut up, Kyle. Uh, yes, Jeff. <laughs> you you said Marcus. I said Marcus. I think I was saying Marcus too. Go back and check. And the then tape. when he won, I didn't. I was. I was careful not to actually call that out because I didn't want to spoil it for anyone. Interesting. Yeah, yes. go back and listen to Midmax Council from a couple weeks ago, our Patreon exclusive podcast, where we had that. Um, Kyle, did you make your point? <laughs> No, I, I was just saying I would have gotten the Fable music one. I was pulling out my oh. hair. And it took so long for everyone to get I was so worried that I didn't that pull the right song because I'm like, the fact that no, no one's understanding no, the Fable theme. Uh, okay, Martin Glowacki writes in and says, hey, cohorts, uh, I'll go with a softball question with this one. Okay, that's fine. We can handle a fastball. Everybody, write in your fastball questions. We'll, we'll take anything. No. Sarah, so, we've got them all. Don't worry. It's one of the questions was like, "What was our? What's our act of revenge? What acts of revenge have we committed?" And it definitely feels like people are setting us up for failure. Yeah, yeah. Don't answer. I that saw one. that question. And I was like, "Is this entrapment?" Yeah. Look, it's a fastball. You don't got to swing at every fastball. Sometimes you can see a question like, "I'm literally dodging out of the way, like <laughs> in fear." Anyways, Martin says, uh, "With Age of Empires four releasing, Jeff, have you heard of Age of Empires four? Anyways, uh, what empire or civilization throughout history fascinates or interests you the most? For myself, the Mayan Empire always resonated with me. It's because you're the next successor. You're the rightful heir to the Mayan Empire, Mark. Anyways, um, what's, <laughs> does anybody else have a civ or empire that they like? The uh, good ones? I'm biased. I, I like, I, oh. I'm biased to Egypt because my aunt's an Egyptologist. What? So. 
I'm like heavily. Everybody in my family is much cooler than me. Okay, honestly. My my aunt's like been to Egypt. She's like unearthed mummies. She's what? got books. That wait, she's written books or she just owns yeah, she's books. Written books. Like, okay. She's like she's like authored books. Honestly, that is the coolest thing. Is she a cool person too? She was. She's not listening yeah. to this. Okay. That's yeah. I mean, honest. she's she's an Egyptologist, so you know. If you, like you were at a dinner party and everyone's mm-hmm. talking about their jobs, I think Egyptologist. I think that's maybe number one profession. Mm. I, honestly, I would take Egyptologist over astronaut. Mm. It's a really. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to say. It's a cool move. What about, what about like famous film director? Eh. Do they have to say famous? I think that's a little blowhardy if they're adding. No, that I mean, just like if Steven Spielberg were sitting at that table. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. He's not going to say I'm Forger? famous film director Steven Spielberg. He's going to say I'm, I make movies. Hey, Kyle. <laughs> and, uh, one time, I'm still confused Uh-oh. about this story. Um, I had an ex-girlfriend. I had an ex-girlfriend once, everybody. Um, but she told a story about how she went. She was dating somebody in high school and she went to a Thanksgiving at his house in Minnesota, and Matt Damon was there. And I'm still not convinced that it was actually Matt Damon. And like, I trust this person and I like her, but there's a part of me that's like, I think that was just somebody that looked like Matt Damon. She's like, no, literally, Matt Damon was at this Thanksgiving party or Thanksgiving right. dinner. I've got his Wikipedia page pulled up. I'm gonna I'm gonna command F because I'm on a Mac for Minnesota to right. see if he has any ties to Minnesota. Yeah, I don't know if he was like dating. A sibling How many or people were at this event? There's it, like a dinner. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving dinner. Probably, event. I don't know, like 10? I don't know. Something like that. Push Nevada. Is that a movie that they filmed in Minnesota? Does this help you at all? <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's the that's the missing key that I was did looking for. Did you ask was if it the, was the Matt Damon? I did not. Or I just probably a should've. Matt Damon? I probably should have. I'll, I'll try oh, and get to the bottom of this. Um, oh, anyways, yeah, back to civilization. I, I like Carthage because I like Hannibal and I made a I made a short film, and it is a film in high school about the Second Punic War, and it was... Wait, so you're a famous film director? Yeah, I'm a famous film table? director. That's right, that's right. And it was all about Hannibal crossing the Alps with the elephants, and it had the perfect dark soundtrack, so it was, it's really <laughs> stunning work. Everyone should check it out in, in a local theater near you. Uh, hey, Luciano uh, Comacero, I'm sorry for butchering your name, uh, says, I've been playing a cool side-scroller called Flynn, Son of Crimson, and was just curious what your thoughts are on taking damage from touching an enemy. That'd be like getting hurt from petting a dog. <laughs> from like, So, like, if you bump into dog. it or if you, like, run past it or if you clip it, you'll right. take damage? Right. Yeah. See, I don't like Not it because fan. whenever I don't even like grenades in video games because, you know, I'm only going to blow myself up with that. <laughs> After all these Rainbow Six Siege skills, you're still scared yeah, of a I grenade? Don't use, I don't use throwables. It's, you okay. know, it's just a bad. It, all right. it, it rebounds. Whatever can go wrong will go wrong. Yep. Yep. Uh, there's, but there's like porcupines. If you touch one of those, you're going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Only if they're mad at you, though, because normally, like, the quills are down. So, like, what are, are you aggressing upon the porcupine? Yeah, I don't know any other That's way to point. approach a porcupine other than being very aggressive. Um, let's see. What else we got? What else we got? Hey, look at this. This person writes in um, and says, uh, Jose Arroyo says, Hola, senores, sen- senores and senoras. Uh, hello. Thank you, Jose. Did you take Spanish in high school? Or? I did. It's... Senoras is what so senorita is, is a younger senora. Yeah. Don't ask me, I took French. Oh, okay. Figures. I took German. Jeffum, what about you? 
French. French. Ooh. Talking French. Ooh la la. Talking French. Oui. Je m'appelle oui, Jeff. Salut. <laughs> there it Salut. is, everybody. We're Salut. launching a French podcast exclusive to Patreon. Check it out. <laughs> Anyways. This is now a bilingual podcast. No, uh, Jose says space is a big genre this year. What is your space game of the year? He's, he's not wrong. So he rounded up uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, Metroid Dread, Returnal, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, he says his is Returnal by far. It is, like, I noticed it with our um, Deepest Dives. Like, we've done a lot of sci-fi Deepest Dives this year. It's weird how it all is lined up with Dead Space and everything. Yeah. In terms Returnal. of, like, you can be a sci-fi person or you can be a fantasy person. And you can be overlap, but I think you always yeah. have preferential for one. Right. What would you guys say you are? Sci-fi or fantasy? Sci-fi. 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 Yeah. Correct. I thought so. That, yeah. It was actually the first test to becoming a cohort is you have to declare yourself a sci-fi person over a fantasy person. So I'm glad everybody oh passed that test. Good job, everybody. But uh, Returnal is yeah. my answer. So Returnal okay. is still my game of the year. I really loved Returnal. Hey, maybe it's just because I watched it while playing it. Kyle, but did you also have weird vibes uh, playing the Guardians of the Galaxy game of like, oh, it's a little bit like Cowboy Bebop. It's just fun to be it's like a specific window now yeah. where we're going to be doing a lot of hanging out on a ship and bounty hunting. Yeah, I actually just rewatched Cowboy Bebop like uh, sort of um, I, 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 here's my setup. I have a kitchen, yeah. I have a TV in the kitchen that I, I watch television on while I'm doing dishes and cooking dinner, which I do a lot. That's like 90% of my time, yeah. but I don't. So when I watch stuff on there, it's like 70% paying attention. I rewatched Cowboy Bebop that way recently yeah. and, uh, really holds up. Fantastic show. So good. what do you think of that trailer? I'm excited to watch that show. I don't yeah. hold any ill will towards that live action version. I, I, I want to see this new version, but I do, I look at it and there's like a lot of Dutch angles, right? There's a lot of tilted yeah, cameras yeah. and I'm like, I don't think, I I really don't think that was a thing in the anime. I, I, I thought the shots were always pretty straight ahead. That's what I like about Cowboy Bebop is how grounded it is. I'm, I'm just generally not a fan of Dutch angles in, at all. Like I, Abrams does them a lot. Or the Star Dutch. Stuff, I've right? Heard. That's right. His well, least yeah, favorite that, civilization. Not a fan. There's one shot in the, middle of Ted Lasso season one because that's about where I am right now watching that show and it's just like an obnoxious like Dutch angle uh, yeah I do like it yeah uh, every once in a while it's like eh, it's kind of veering into like a Disney plus level of <laughs> saccharine but I'm on board for it like it's a nice one to watch oh, wait till I get to the Christmas episode oh really two. it's gonna be a lot alright yeah. anyways uh, space is cool oh and Kyle um, just to follow up on that um, thoughts on the Lightyear trailer sir I'm for it. For I, it. I don't understand all the confusion about it. We, it's a trailer. We don't know all the context yet. <laughs> well, I, from the pitch, I was confused. And this seems to be like, okay, it's just, it doesn't make sense, everybody. Everybody trying to get up yeah, in arms about like, this fine. Toy Story spinoff doesn't make sense. When does it take oh. place? How is it possible? <laughs> yeah. The only thing well, that, the other thing is like, someone, I don't remember who it was. I'm sorry if I'm calling you out, but they were like, they were like, <laughs> You're telling me that through all four Toy Story movies, they <laughs> yes. never talk about Galactus. It's like, it's a story. It's not about the world. It's about right. this very focused relationship between a toy and a child. I don't think space travel would come up. <laughs> also, hey, everybody, I know I don't want to be this guy because I take Toy Story more seriously than just about anybody on Earth. But it's like, hey, everybody, their movies, let them do it. Like, they basically already did it yeah. with their TV show of, like, Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. Like, it's just that again, everybody. It's not... It's not going to reframe the way that you watch Toy Story 1. It's fine. Yeah. And yet, but it's and like, yet you won't play Kingdom Hearts. 
No, because that's... Toy Story level, and yet, Ben... Yeah, that's like saying, hey, you love Austin. chocolate cake, now eat chocolate cake out of a toilet, Sarah. What, you don't like <laughs> chocolate cake out of a toilet? What's wrong with you? They say it might be canon, so, you know, <laughs> they that say. chocolate cake out of the toilet was canon, you need the They shoot it out of a cannon day. into the toilet. <laughs> is that <laughs> right? My God. <laughs> the thing that makes me laugh, Kyle, in that Lightyear trailer is, like, when they reveal Buzz Lightyear's suit as, like, the big thing in the back half of that trailer, and it's, like, it's too yeah. close to the toy. It's, like, still, like, three buttons on the chest where it's, like, <laughs> so the toy was just 100% accurate to the spacesuit. That seems bizarre. But I'm looking I for. Like, uh, I, like, I feel like it's like they watch that amazing scene in Interstellar where they're trying to dock the ships, you know? Yeah. And they're like, let's let's take let's do that Pixar style. And I'm like, hell yeah! Honestly, let's like some of the shots are so cool in that trailer of him going around the sun and stuff. Like mm-hmm. it, it kind of reminds me of like First Man, uh, which is a movie that I don't yeah. think gets enough credit for just like how visceral it makes uh, flying in space. Um. Anyways, I want to see what their toys from that film look like. Like to have like this slightly off kilter Buzz Lightyear toys. Do you think they will release toys, Kyle, that look like a funky version of Buzz Lightyear based on the film? Yeah, that's going to be so yeah, weird. Totally. Jeff, I'm there making this movie called Lightyear. From it's not important. Hey, uh, David yeah, Dobry, talking about space video games. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> David Dobry writes in and says, "What's the most random or obscure game you can remember from your childhood?" Uh, when I was young, I remember playing Zoom. Zoom beanies because it was my mom's favorite game. What is Zoom beanies? All right, I like this good broad like one. T S U M? Are that is that how they're spelling it? Uh, T no 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 like Zoom as in Zoom Zoom. Okay. Uh, zoomy Zoomy Zoom. Oh, that looks bizarre. Um, has anybody got a weird deep cut from their childhood? I, I had do. a My Little Pony game that I played on the PC. And you would raise your pony, you would like color its mane, and you would train it how to jump. And you would raise it, and it would go from a child to like an adolescent, to like, like from a child to a teen to an adult. Yeah. And then at the very end of the game, you would make it to the end, and your horse would jump over the highest jumps. And then it would like ride off to this castle in the sky. Like, I you not. This horse like galloped into the sky to a rainbow castle, and you could never see it ever again. That's amazing! Wow. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it died. Or it was like you trained it well enough that it could join the other My Little Ponies on the cloud in the sky. But like, is this just a metaphor for death? Hang on, Sarah. On New Show Plus mm-hmm. this week, you were talking about horse girls. Yeah. And how there's this very specific type of girl that was obsessed mm-hmm. with horses. Were you mm-hmm. a horse girl? No, I wasn't mm. a horse girl. Mm. I was a girl gamer, and a lot of it came with like horse games. Mm. So there's some gray. overlap there, but I wouldn't say I go fully into horse girl territory. Okay, it comes right. with the, it comes with the, you know, comes with the girl pack of three CD-ROM games for girls. <laughs> right, right. That you buy as a bundle. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, I don't know. I was trying to think of like deep cuts. Um, I played a lot on Apple II of Muppet Adventure Chaos at the Carnival, which is just like the Muppets and a bunch of terrible bumper cars and nonsense like that. It'd be an abomination to go back to. But, uh, I really anyway. loved uh, this game. It was called Pocket Bomberman for the Game Boy Color. It Ooh. was a single-player Bomberman game with like a campaign that I played and beat and really loved. And then it was like kind of a little bit later, I was like, oh, this is more of a multiplayer thing, huh? Uh, I guess I didn't know. <laughs> oh, weird. Uh, yep. Mine was um, Cannondale Cup for the Super Nintendo, which was kind of an unabashed 
Road Rash ripoff because I played Road Rash one time at a kiosk in like a Kmart or something when I was a kid. And was yeah. like, this is the coolest game ever made. And I wanted to see they didn't have it for Super Nintendo, but this was like the closest thing that they had. So I spent like $60 on it back in like 91 or whatever, which is probably like $1,000 today. Mm-hmm. And it it was it had the same formula, but it was mountain bikes. And all of the characters were just like, I don't know if they're actual like bike bicycle racers back then, but you could just kind of attack and it was very crappy. But then like there was clearly a Blanca ripoff in there. It it was like all normal people, but then just one green monster that you could play it. But it was not a good road rash. ripoff. What's it called again? I want to look it up. Cannondale Cup. That's a really boring name. Have they thought of road rash? Cannondale yes. Cup. Oh, weird. There it is, guys. There it is. That's good. Deep cut. Um, Cole Kreider says, hey, Pumpkin Spice Cohorts, hello. With Halloween coming up on Sunday, what character would each of you be in a horror movie? Jock, nerd, cheerleader? Also, would you be the final girl? No, absolutely not. I thought about this deeply after playing Until Dawn. Oh, yeah. Because they very much like typecast people. And I fall, I fall on a spectrum between, like, I believe like final girl, but also redneck who would shoot anybody at the first slightest notice of maybe you're turning into a zombie. <laughs> Interesting. Like, Until Dawn taught me that if I'm ever in a horror situation, there's no like we and we and I'm surviving. Okay, like <laughs> there is. I will not hesitate to take lives if it like don't get stuck with me. Okay, I like. Okay, so you're just immediately you're the scene from the thing where. Uh, Kurt Russell just has like the TNT and like the lighter like I'll blow this whole place up if anybody comes near me so help me God yeah exactly smart smart but also the final girl so it's kind of like a weird yeah it's I fall in a weird Venn diagram okay that's good that's good to know Uh, I guess I'd be nerd that dies immediately and is completely helpless and probably there's an elaborate uh, pants wedding scene Something like that. If I just had to spitball. I, would I didn't say. want to say it for you, Hanson, but right. it's good yeah, that you recognize that. Okay, good. Is there is there an archetype for like the person that just insists that everything is fine, like even up until the end? Like, oh, no, we'll be fine. Don't worry. It's, we're, we are overthinking this, everyone. This is just right. going to be totally fine. It's like, it's oh, this is a, maybe a deep cut, Kyle, but I always loved like in Slaughterhouse-Five when they're like, in the trains, one of my favorite bits is just somebody who's like, you think this is cold in this train? This isn't so bad. I've had worse. This is totally fine. And then uh, the next morning, he's dead. And I always think of that as like, I feel like I've been that person a couple times in my life. I was like, everything's fine. What are you talking about? And then it turns out things are not fine. I would take myself out if I was stuck with that person. Mm, yeah, smart, <laughs> smart. Uh, Adam Cohen writes in and says, hey, everybody, uh, gyroscopic control aiming, yay or nay? Nay, boo. I don't no, like it. that play Splatoon bully me with it, and I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I like it for the fine-tuning a little bit. I, I don't yeah. mind it. Like, fine-tuning? Yeah, like a Breath of the Wild thing. Just a little extra nudge at the oh, end. okay, you know? but I'm thinking, like, I would still prefer to use a mouse. Okay, well, of course. Yeah, we're only human. Yeah, but I do. Yeah, if, if I like, like, Breath of the Wild does really well where you engage it, right? Like, it's not always on. Right. It's, it's just, like, you turn it on just to kind of inch it around. And, like, I Fortnite on Switch kind of lets you do that like i do like it i think it can be done well it's funny because we still sort of think of 
the Wii when we think of motion controls. Mm -hmm. But I do get these reminders often, especially playing VR in particular, where it's like motion controls are actually like really good today. Like they they function really well. Yeah. I don't know if they necessarily make games better, but the technology is like like thousands of times better than it was when you were playing Wii Sports for the first time. Right. You know? Yeah, that's true. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Podbod writes in and says, Hey, Ben Hansen and the cucumber loving cohorts. Sure. Um, how do you think your personalities would change if we only had landlines and never had communication via internet or cell phones? If you wanted to hang out with someone, you'd have to call them up and schedule a time. You couldn't get outraged at a stranger's opinion on the web. How would your personality change? Do you think? I love, I love this question because I think about it all the time because what he's describing was the pre-internet world that I grew up in and that like <laughs> kids are never kids aren't even going to know from now on. Yeah, I don't even know who remembers what are you talking what about? That was like No, I, I had a similar reaction. I mean, like I think I got AOL Instant Messenger in like the middle of high school or something. Really? I didn't have a cell phone until like middle of high school like the majority of my play dates as a child were from calling somebody. So this isn't something I have to imagine. I, I think I exist in this odd generation where I did actually get a taste of both. Okay, but uh, what about what know, about like, now? Like what if it was just oh, like no. how would your personality be different now though? We'd all be happier. Do you think? And less less <laughs> anxious, yes. Every once in a while I think about that. I feel like maybe just, you know, people online can get sanctimonious about not being online, but that idea of like, oh, I unplugged from social for two months and I got so much done. I wrote three great American novels. And it's like everyone in the 1800s wasn't, <laughs> I would imagine they aren't all like cool, enlightened beings. They're like sucking on logs and killing rats and stuff. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's well, just, you don't have to suck on <laughs> logs. <laughs> so, well, I'm just saying <laughs> that it's not like the two, two ends of a different spectrum. I just there. think sometimes people really, even though I am also fried by social media on the internet um, and reading all these dastardly YouTube comments on this video, um, I also feel like I, I don't think I would have reached Nirvana if Twitter didn't exist, which I think people can kind of gravitate to as just a concept, right. you know? Yeah. All right. Well, Christian Jimenez writes in and says, uh, Christian asks, what are your... What are some video game coverage journalism pet peeves you don't like to see? Thank you, says Christian. I, I don't know if this applies, and I'm always hesitant to say stuff like this because I feel like I'm calling people out. Yeah. But I, I, I really don't care about your word count, like, at all. Like, what I see mean? people will be like, I just finished a 10,000 word thing, or I, oh, I wrote interesting, this thing. Interesting. And I'm like, I, it, that means nothing to me. Even as a person who was very focused on character and word count yeah. uh, for a large part of my career, like, it, it does not mean anything to me. It just is nothing. Is it, it, is it, it could be five words, it could be 10,000. It doesn't matter. Is it the me. same thing when we're like, hey, check out the deepest dive on Final Fantasy VII Remake? It's 14 hours long. I mean, that's the same thing, no, right? I, it's different for some reason. Because I guess because it's like entertainment, right? It's like the length of a movie is a factor. But I don't know. Something about it just rose me the wrong way when I see people talking about how much, how many words they've written. I don't know. Maybe it's just a personal pet peeve or something. Yeah. But it always, it bugs me for some reason. Yeah, I, I think length is not, does not equate quality when it comes to writing. Yeah. Because a lot, a lot of what makes writing good is when you're concise about what you're saying. Right, right. 
I'm a, I complain about it too much, but it's always just, it's an old song and dance, but the lack of, or I guess, especially on the weekends, the amount of just general entertainment coverage that comes from big video game sites. And I'm not pointing fingers at IGN and GameSpot, but... Is this about your spoilers? Well, no, the spoilers is outrageous and unforgivable. Um, and I hate it so much. They're so terrible about everything. God, that's really the greatest relief of like something like Mandalorian not being on the air right now is that I don't have to deal with their you terrible got tweets. You so bad. They're outrageous. And everyone tries to dance around and it sucks. But it's more just like you go on Twitter on the weekend and it's like GameSpot tweeting their fourth story about Alec Baldwin shooting somebody. Like, I don't... It's just like, is anything that's worth conversing over fair game? Is that just the takeaway? And I know, Sarah, as a social media expert, you say yay, but it's just... I don't know. I'm annoyed. Need for engagement. You like, yeah. You always <laughs> scream that. You like focus, right? You want, you want, if you're a video game site, stick with video games. I guess. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, when we're getting into... If you're into a podcast the- about games, friends, and getting better, we don't need to discuss... Right. The latest Marvel television show. When it's talking about rumors <laughs> of like B tier casting in the next CW show for DC, it's just like, what are we doing here? Everybody, shut up! But sure. yeah, that's, it, that's the sign they have to get off Twitter. It's the endless. It's the endless churn. The, the things that annoy me are like the, and I may have been guilty of this in myself in the past, but like the two sentence news stories that you can tell. Especially having done it in the past myself, you can tell when the writer just does not care and they just have to write this story. Right. It's like, I don't know why I clicked. You got me to click on it, I guess. So congratulations. But you don't care. I don't care. What the hell are we doing with our lives? And and then the other story is like, it'll be like everything we know about GTA 6. And it'll be like, Rockstar has made a huge success out of the GTA series and sooner or later they're going to announce a gta 6 and we'll put the details here when we find right. it it's like oh you bastards <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah isn't it nice being and and sometimes sometimes it's like does this game have co-op click on it right we don't know if this game has co-op <laughs> yet so <laughs> yeah. what are you doing it's really nice being like an independent site you don't have to deal with that crap Honestly, can you imagine if we just had to keep a news feed rolling on like minmax.com or something just like that yes. grind Oh, it's a luxury. Uh, Muffin Crumbs writes in and says, Hey, Ben and Company, I'm back with another round of multimedia franchise quantity over quality. In case you <laughs> forgot, this game involves me listing two That's multimedia... That's my favorite Kingdom Hearts game, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> this game involves me listing two multimedia franchises. You guess which one has had more video games. All right, Kyle, which one has had more video games? Star Wars or Pokemon. Oh, you know, I'm going to go Pokemon. The answer is Star Wars 169 to 124. And they say, get this included in the Star Wars video games are 12 educational games such as Star Wars Jedi math and Star Wars Jedi reading. This is counting like leapfrog. Maybe, stuff, maybe, yeah. Oh, sure. Uh, okay, yeah. Sarah. This... I mean, that number's pretty close, though. I mean, there's a lot of Pokemon spinoffs to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Take think about. Okay, Sarah. This is exactly mm-hmm. up your alley. This okay. is like how I see you as a person. Are these okay. two franchises? Can't wait. Can't wait to figure out what it is. <laughs> Tron versus The Land oh, Before Time. Who has had more video games? Tron. Are we counting like? Are we counting like? I want to say. 
I want... Mm, it's the limit for time. How many games can you make? How many movies could they make? Is the well, real could, question. They, yeah, they, how many movies do they make? Is there like a game per movie? Um, I guess I'll go Land Before Time. Correct! At 14 versus Tron's 10. I have okay. never even considered a Land... There's probably a PlayStation 1 Land Before Time game. Some Game Boy games probably. Yeah. There's probably a lot of yeah. CD-ROM games. Right. By the way, I don't want to tell any companies how to live their lives... But you know what movie would do gangbusters if they did a CG remake of the first Land Before Time? Just take like the sound, take the original VO, and just go all out with like some great-looking dinosaur v- movie. It could kick the butt of good dinosaur. That wet fart. Anyways, hey Jeff, they kind of did that with uh, with Pokemon, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. And look at that. And you watched that and loved it, right? Honestly, I did watch it. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> it was fine. I watched it with my nephews, to be fair, so it barely counts. Anyways, oh, okay. uh, Jeff, um, uh, Digimon versus Pirates of the Caribbean. Digimon, digital monsters. Are Digimon. they the champions? Uh, correct, they are the champions. Really? Yep. Uh, 56 versus Pirates of the Caribbean's 11. Slam dunk. All right, this is interesting. There was a really good Pirates of the Caribbean MMO for free that Disney put out, and it was actually very fun. Okay, I'm trying to and remember. You played as a pirate and you ran around, and I literally faked being sick so I could stay home from school to play my Pirates of the Caribbean MMO. So there was also <laughs> another Pirates of the Caribbean game that came out in 2003 that I remember, like, Grant, friend of the show, was really into, but that wasn't an MMO, but this was specifically an MMO Pirates game? Yeah, it was an MMO. Like, you Weird. and a bunch of other kids ran around as pirates, and you rode, you rode in your ships and you pirated. Weird. Uh, and Jack I- Sparrow was there. Oh boy! I mean, Leafion in the backstage wait, pass says Pirates Sea Online Thieves, was so good uh, earlier this year. Yeah, I think you're thinking of Sea of Thieves, Sarah. You were an adult. Uh, no. <laughs> all right, hey Kyle. It was a good MMO. We believe you. We believe you. Uh, Kyle, uh, Dune versus Wallace and Gromit. Oh, gosh! You know, I'm gonna go Wallace and Gromit because I, I think there's a telltale Wallace and Gromit. Are we right? That had episodes? There is. There is. I don't know if they're counting are the episodes. counting those individually? But they say there are 11 Wallace and Gromit games. I don't know if they'd be counting them separately. It's unclear. Okay. Uh, okay. Grand finale, uh, Sarah. Terminator Wait, versus... Wait, I missed, I missed Dune. How many Dune? I missed how many Six. Dunes there were. Six. Okay. Which, by the way, I was really annoyed. Like, uh, after that movie, which I absolutely loved, we talked about it on the Min Max Council podcast, um, I went because I wanted to go and play Dune 2000 which is uh, a RTS that Westwood made after Dune 2 and all that stuff. Um, and I, I found it like on Abandonware and I couldn't get it up and running on a modern computer. So if anybody knows how to get Dune 2000 up and running, I'd love to play it. Or, it's you, not on GOG? No, not on GOG. Like, talk about a missed opportunity. EA, whoever owns that, I understand the licensing's tough, but like, if they would have put like the Dune RTS out again, it would have been perfect timing. Anyways, um, Sarah, I mean, they put Jodorowsky's Dune on sale. Uh, to rent. That oh, was really? really smart. That is super smart. Yeah. I'd like to actually rewatch that now. Anyways, um, Sarah, yeah. <laughs> the question is Terminator versus Ghostbusters. I'm going to go Ghostbusters. The answer is Terminator with 30 versus Ghostbusters at 21. Fun mm-hmm. fact there is a chess game called T2 Chess Wars. That sounds amazing. Who are the pawns? Hang on. This game. We are. Yeah, that's really <laughs> great. All right, what do y'all like for a question of the week? Oh. 
I I like the journalism pet peeves. I like the space games. I like favorite crimes. And you talked about space movies. <laughs> yeah, I like I during like, my favorite part about space games is talking about space movies. Uh, let's see, spooky games, most influential game. I think that's pretty good. I like that one actually. Most influential because that was a good chat. Yeah. Sarah threw out her chaos seeds. Yeah. Okay. That's a video. Jeff, how are you feeling? Go with that one. Sarah, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'll go with it. I liked watching you guys argue over my opinions. Okay, great. Amongst yourselves. <laughs> uh-huh. Congratulations, Aaron Yu. We'll send you a message uh, over on Patreon and ship out a wonderful Switch copy of What the Gulf, thanks to I Am 8-Bit. Uh, a fantastic game and a great game to have on Switch. That game really is awesome uh so congratulations aaron you and thanks to i'm 8-bit help support them by checking out their online store uh now it's time for something that we personally like to call get a load of this okay sarah i won't make you go first because i feel like you were panicking trying to find one a little while ago i I know i got one i always got one okay do you want to go first my back pocket sure i can go first um get a load of this you guys there is a keyboard on the market, and in the top right, it's got a little tiny LED screen, and there's a little white doggy in it. Mm. And whenever you type, the little white doggy runs. When you press space, it jumps. When you put caps locks on, it, like, barks. It's like a little pixel dog. That's fun. And when you hit control, it crouches. That's and good. So it's like a Tamagotchi dog keyboard. It, literally, it is. Yeah, it's like a Tamagotchi on your keyboard. That's really smart. There's a link below yeah. if anybody wants to check it out. Kyle's realizing now he's gonna have to buy that. I might have to build it. Now. I don't know if it, I don't know if it like comes oh. pre-made, but I definitely want it. That seems cool. Uh, hey, get a load of this. Um, there's a nice tweet from our boy Sakurai. Um, he just tweeted out a picture of his cat. It's a, it's a nice, good, fat cat with an Among Us doll in the cat's crib or whatever it's called. Cat's cradle. Um, but he says, with the development of Smash Brothers finished, you no longer have to worry about suspicion of participating in the war. Now, even if you put out such a picture, there is no problem. And it's just... So he can, <laughs> it's just nice to see him liberated that he can just tweet I'm about video so games now. I'm so happy for him. Yeah. So happy. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. He's finally at peace. <laughs> This is the like, automatic... I can finally tweet a picture of an Among Us plush. <laughs> Sarah, I don't want to put you on the spot, but it is like yeah. auto-translated from Japanese, so I'm curious oh. what the translation is for you no longer have to worry about suspicion of participating the, in the war. That's what I was wondering, participating in the war. Yeah, I sent you I sent you the tweet. No pressure, but if you can translate that, that'd be awesome, and we'd all be very okay. impressed. Uh, Jeffem, you got something? Yeah, get a load of this. Uh, this was a video put out by People Make Games... Um, uh, and it's called The Inside Story of Mass Effect 3's Ending yeah. Finally Told. Um, it's a it's a half an hour kind of documentary conversation. They interviewed like nine former Bioware developers and uh, kind of go through the entire controversy and get their opinions on what happened and the backlash to it. And, re- you know, like philosophically, the concept of redoing an ending because of. Yeah. People complaining on the internet and stuff. And uh, it's a really good watch. Cool. I'll check it out. Uh, did you see that thing, Sarah? Yeah, I did. Do you know what it says? It is, It is like, they are, he is using the word, like, participating in a war. But personally, that could be, like, some kind of weird Japanese net lingo that I don't understand. Oh, uh, okay. Like, but it's kind of like, the it's the war of, like, yeah, it's, it's pretty an accurate translation, but, I mean... 
I don't know the net lingo. Sure, sure. That. The online flame war type of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Kyle. Uh, hey, get a load of this. Maybe you've talked about this before. I don't know. Um, but there's this Twitter account called at just undercore underscore s'mores. <laughs> and there's an affiliated Instagram account called just s'mores things. And uh, it's this person that you probably know pretty well if you follow MinMax. Uh, just doing little videos about s'mores food and candy. It's what? it's Cereal Vasquez, and he just eats s'mores food and reviews it. And he's got like, let's see, three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen. Like he's got twenty videos <laughs> what? of just reviewing various s'mores things. Did he read his contract? Cereal eating stuff is legally owned by Minmax as the corporation. <laughs> Can't he's, do that. Yeah, he's not allowed to do that. That's very. And fun. he has this great bit about yogurt week. <laughs> If you watch them in order, oh, please go check it out. It, what he, is it called? He's not promoting it at all. It's like, <laughs> I, I didn't even know it was him. I just like fell down this rabbit hole and I was like, wait a second, this is surreal. <laughs> yeah. What is it called? The link's below for everybody, but yeah. So on Twitter, it's just underscore under, I can't, why can't I say underscore just underscore s'mores. And then Instagram is where you really want to go. And that's just it. s'mores things. Mm. Okay. The Twitter will link to the Instagram. Oh, there good. it is. Okay. Yeah. 18 followers. Okay, this better be not 18 Bump by the up. time this podcast. Okay, I'm hitting follow. Good job. Good job. Uh, did you get one from the community, Jeffum, from the Discord? I did. Get a load of this. Uh, this one ties back nicely into the artists ripping people off Ooh. conversation. Uh, this one came from Jake Louder. Louder, maybe. I don't know. Louder. Um, it's a it's a tweet by Alex Stapp, and it's basically running through uh, an artist named Mischief bought an Andy Warhol drawing for twenty thousand dollars. It's a very simple doodle, but he he bought it for twenty thousand dollars. He made nine hundred and ninety nine high quality forgeries of it because it's, because it's a very simple drawing. Yeah, uh, and then he shuffled them all together. And he destroyed any evidence of like which is the Ooh. real one. And he's selling all thousand of them for two hundred and fifty dollars each. And so you have a <laughs> one in thousand chance that you'll get the twenty thousand dollar drawing, or you know nine hundred ninety nine percent chance you'll get the other one, but you'll never know for sure. And so he's going to make two hundred fifty thousand dollars from that. And I feel like <laughs> that's an, it's another instance of like. I can't really I can't really fault them like yeah. people the art art folks have so much money that they're throwing around on stupid things good for you yeah punish so. the art folks I'm with you Jeff I'm, yeah um all right thanks so much for watching or listening to the podcast everybody um let's see we have extra life coming up that is our big uh, charity stream to raise money for Gillette Children's Specialty Healthcare in St. Paul Minnesota that's coming up Saturday November 6th we're gonna be starting at 8 a.m. and streaming for 25 hours straight it's gonna be a collaboration with Game Informer once again uh should be a very fun time a lot of multiplayer gaming a lot of different segments in there we pack it full we also have a bunch of things to auction off including um there's a bunch of uh, really good things like for my 8-bit and beyond but then there's also uh, a cribbage board that my dad made he's been making cribbage boards his entire life so this is like cribbage board number like 1100 or something so if you want to win uh, a cribbage board that my dad made out of wood and also help support charity at the same time also white mechs in the minimax community um made a custom uh game boy advance 
with a min-max skin on it. We're going to be auctioning that off for charity. So that's going to be happening uh, next Saturday. So mark your calendar, everybody, November 6th. Um, and it's going to be us and Game Informer. And then also Easy Allies. Featuring some easy allies folks in there. So there should be some fun competitions happening between the three of us. So get ready for that. Um, also be sure to follow MinMax Show on Instagram. Once you're done looking at cereal uh, eating s'mores, uh, check out MinMax Show on Instagram. If you leave a comment on the post that's announcing this podcast is live with all of our beautiful faces in it, um, you can win a code for Before Your Eyes on Steam, one of my favorite games of the year. We're giving away a code. We just gave one out uh, to Chow Tung. Uh, so congratulations. They won the last code, but follow us on Instagram and you can win a bunch of free stuff. Um, Sarah, you got stuff going on? Oh, by the way, Jeff, look alive I, on Slack. I sent you the list of $50 names to read at the end of the show. So um, look forward to that. But anyway, Sarah, do you have something to plug? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Sarah Pods or on my Twitch page at Sarah Pods. We are wrapping up our month of horror. I'm currently playing Resident Evil 3, and then I'm going to start on the new Fatal Frame coming out to Switch. So Ooh. very excited for that. And then I will be finally free of this horror prison that I have built for myself. Yeah, congratulations. You do know that's a port, right, of the Wii U game? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, because I wanted to play the Wii U one, but I just never got around to it. Yep, that's so that's natural. Excited. That's cool. Um, yeah, I guess we should mention we're also going to be doing uh, a Halloween stream here at, at MinMax on Thursday. If you're listening to this, give us a follow on Twitch. Uh, myself and my old friend Ronnie, uh, we're going to be playing Phasmophobia and maybe some other horror games along the way. So tune in live. All right. Hey, Jeff, um, I don't know if you know this, but we exist because of people supporting us on Patreon. Um, as entities, we exist because of that. That's why our parents decided to create us. Um, and you can get your name read on every episode of the podcast if you support us at the $50 tier. Also, your name in every description for every video. And it goes a little something like this, Jeff. Um, I don't have the list. I don't know what you're oh, talking about. I sent about. it to you on Slack. Jeff, um, I don't have Slack. You don't have Slack? Do you have it on your what phone? What have you done to me? Jeff, um, what have you done? Just guess the names, dude. We're panicking. There's dead air. <laughs> uh, the John. Uh, <laughs> John? Uh, uh, there's no John. There's no John. Uh, ben? Is there a Ben? Benjamin. Oh, my God. This is so long. <laughs> uh, synced up podcast. Timmy Ty Oh No. Fixture Gaming Fixture S1. I am 8-Bit. Zachary Pliggy. Ludwig Roque, Brian with a Y, Andrew Valla, Beaten Down Brian, PrettyGoodPrinting.com, Jawar Hello, Mark Seliga, John Higby, Mirko Arico Terreno, Connor McCabe, Drew Waranis, Dan Valone, Steve Bamdad, Purebred Number Six, Clemens Zobel, Ted Riser, Star Killer, Spider Dan, Spiral in Your Eyes, Pretham Yar Legata, which I always get wrong, and General Nady 99. Beautiful! Thank you so much, everybody! Be good, have fun, let's go! Let's go!